Happy New Year, folks. Welcome to another edition of the Live Life Wrestling Show for 2019, the first show, the first official show of 2019. And, you know, I know some of you guys on the free, listen to the free episode, you did hear an episode that first week of January, but this is the official one right here. So, good to be back. You know, we've been on our little break, and, you know, Mike's been vacationing in sunny Southern California. <laughs> so, somebody, he, he partied so hard that he hurt his groin in the process. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say I'm cel- I'm celebrating 2019 early with the groin tear, you know, just to, just to get the year going right, you know. Yeah, you, because it can only go better up than a groin tear in January to to yeah, start man. the year off right. It can only go up from here. That's the one thing about it. For the rest of the year now. Can't get any worse. Yeah, well, I, I hope it's still gonna be able to go up from here. You know, this groin tear is in a pretty sensitive area. You know? but, but you know what? I, I can't complain, man, because 2018 was a great year for me training-wise. I hit some PRs in the deadlifts. I ended the year really strong, felt really good going into this year. This uh, this injury sucks. I don't think it's a tear, fortunately. I don't think I tore a muscle, although it felt like it when it happened. It felt like a nasty stretch. But mm-hmm. thank God for active release technique practitioners because those people are a godsend. I've been going to ART practitioners since before I even got into business, probably 2000 or 1999 even. And it's something I've always had really good responses to that form of treatment, whether it's a shoulder injury or a knee injury or a lower back injury. I always respond really well because one of the biggest mistakes a lot of people make is they get injured in the gym and what do they do? They just sit around for three weeks. They go, oh, well, you know, it hurts to move. So I'm just going to lie down and eat crappy food and watch TV and just wait for this injury to go away. It's not going to go away anytime. If you do that, it's going to take forever for that injury to go away. It's probably going to get worse because now all of that scar tissue is going to form. It's going to be even worse. So the sooner you can get to an active release technique practitioner or someone who understands physical therapy really well, the sooner they can release that area, induce healing. I mean, this happened this past Saturday. It hurt like hell, super sharp. Yesterday, I went in for some ART treatment, and it's already significantly better. I mean, I couldn't even lie back after this first happened. I'm in bed, and if once once I did lie back, I couldn't turn or move my right leg in any way without this super, super sharp pain just shooting up into the groin area, which is not a fun area <laughs> to have a shooting pain you're go in. It's starting to feel like one of those fight scenes from Spartacus. You know, when they just sit there and they stab them, they're like, come on, man. <laughs> That's respect for another man. Why are you going to stab a dude right there with a sword? Come on. <laughs> There's got to be a code out here or something, man. <laughs> sure that's what it felt like <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so anyway check out activerelease.com for any of you that are dealing with nagging injuries and it's good to have a, a good I mean, even if you don't have any injuries just go in for an assessment because they can look at your mobility and tell you things you're doing wrong that are going to lead to injuries and in, right. inevitably so the smart thing to do would be proactive and just find a good because it may take a while to find a good practitioner you may have to go to two or three before you find one that's a good fit for you but once you find that person I'm telling you, it's a gold. It, it is gold for those of us who like to work out and we want to be pain free. We want to keep getting stronger as we're getting older. You need to have people like this in your back pocket so that when an injury happens, you don't waste any time. Just like with our guest today, Tom Inkledon, he came on in 2017 and did this amazing episode on alternative cancer therapies. And some people really gravitated towards that because either they're dealing with cancer themselves or they have a family member. And that was great that we were able to deliver that information to them. I believe several of them contacted Tom, but also I always tell people, this is the kind of information you need to have on file so that 
God forbid you never get cancer or any loved one does, but if it does happen, you need to have a plan of action that you can execute immediately. You don't want to go into research mode for six months after you find out. It's too late. It's going to go into a more aggressive form. You need to have a plan where you're going, hey, I just found out. I'm calling this guy today, and I'm going to take the next step. So be preventative. It's like checking the air in your tires or doing preventative care with your car. People take care of their cars more than their body. A lot of people take their cars for oil change and maintenance and so forth, check the tires, but they don't do similar things for your own health. Right. Kind of, you need to put it right up there with your lawyer, like having a good lawyer on retainer and having a great that's insurance policy. That's exactly what all this is, man. So therefore, right. you never have to, the last, the last thing you want to do is when you get in legal trouble, it's like, I need to find a lawyer. <laughs> you know, guess what, man? <laughs> Those legal troubles are still—they're building up as you're as you're searching right there. So it's always like this. Good, it's good to have like Thomas on retainer. <laughs> you know, at least have his yeah. number right there, man, in your in your emergency contacts. Put it right up there. Put a one in front of his name, in front of his office's you know name or whatever. So therefore, it pops right up. So no one's having to search for it because you could be in a situation right. where you can't you know necessarily pull that information up. But at least have it available for your loved ones as well, man. So right, and right. That's how highly recommended we you know that thomas comes with us just from us or whatever so oh yeah you know, that's how serious this is <clears throat> no doubt and we're gonna keep we're gonna keep tom we're just waiting we're just gonna keep talking about him for another 10 20 minutes you know? <laughs> tom's like all right guys when are you gonna introduce me <laughs> we're gonna talk about how great you are for about 30 minutes and be like hey you know that's it Thanks for coming on, Tom. You know, appreciate it. You know, we have a great guest, and we actually blow him up for 30 minutes. But we've had guests that came on to blow themselves up for 30 minutes. Like, damn, dude. Can we talk? It is our show. I mean, shit. Uh, Tom, Happy New Year, Tom. How you doing, man? It's great to connect with you again. Uh, uh, same here, guys. Uh, I'm doing fantastically well. Um, happy New Year to both of you as well, and I guess to all of your listeners. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier about uh, people contacting me. I get uh, more calls, you know, when we ask people, you know, how'd you hear about us? And then when they talk about from you guys, it's always about how to increase testosterone. <clears throat> it's oh, really? There's a few about, <laughs> yeah. So that, that, that single-handedly blows away everything else. But here's the, the irony of it, though, is um, two different guys. Uh, one guy contacted me about increasing testosterone. He actually comes out to the center, flies out, cool dude. He's an attorney start talking and we're going through some stuff and he says I had um I had a, um, a biopsy a bone marrow biopsy years ago and then I had a, bio, a bone marrow transplant because I had AML <clears throat> acute myeloid leukemia and he goes it was successful and I said well where's you know where's the follow-up reports I don't see a pathology report I don't see anything telling you it's successful so how do you know it was and he goes to me, well, my doctor called me and told me. I go, hell no. There's no way. You want to see the report with your own eyes because mistakes are made all the time. Yeah. So he winds up, he calls back. He was from Pennsylvania, calls back there. And then he gets a phone call. The doctor, I guess, in Connect, he goes, oh, no, you were fine. I remember, but I'll, I'll get the report to you. He gets a call midnight that night, and the doc says, I um, made a mistake. And it was unsuccessful. Um, oh. You still have, you know, pretty advanced uh, levels of cancer. So this guy, now this was what's kind of, I think, is kind of interesting. He, so he, he was at a point where he thought there he was basically he was at no evidence of disease. 
so that there was no treatment being administered to him. He was just getting progressively tired, and he was losing libido. So he just thought, man, my testosterone must be low because I'm working long hours. Yeah. His cancer is actually getting worse. And so <clears throat> when he came in and we kind of did that, you know, went through this whole process, he's like, you may have saved my life and you didn't even test me yet just from looking at my medical records. And I was like, well, you know, so the way that I would leverage this for, you know, all of mankind is every single person, when you go and get a test, I don't care where you are, anywhere in the world, if you get any test, you want a copy of the results for yourself. And if possible, you want something that talks about the methods that were used. Because even like today, you know, testosterone levels, there's still labs doing immunoassays as opposed to LCMS, MS methods, which is liquid chromatography, mass spectroscopy. And the difference is how accurate is the information that you're viewing. And, you know, what's sad is a lot of times guys will come and go, oh, I got this test done for five bucks or ten bucks. I'm like, okay. Like, you don't really want to cut corners with your health, <laughs> right. right? There's not a value, you know. There's no benefit to cheat yourself out of quality when it comes to testing, you know. And yeah. I don't know if you guys, are you guys familiar with the uh, Toronto slab, the whole scam with that thing? Does that bring a bell at all? Yeah, that's recent, right? Isn't that a yeah, so, yeah, so basically, yep, yeah, exactly. So this woman, um, fairly young woman, went to, uh, she's on the East Coast trying to raise money, and I had a couple of clients that were looking at investing in it. So her whole big thing was a drop of blood test. In other words, single drop of blood, right, and they can right. test for everything. Yep. So they bring it to me, and I'm like, this is all theoretical. She's never actually shown she could do it. So what's the basis for anyone giving her money if she can't, you know, prove she could do it? And so, but she was misleading people into thinking they were already doing it, but she couldn't do it. So my clients did not invest. She then went to um, Silicon Valley area. So now she's in, you know, California, and she's got, you know, Silicon Valley is really big into biofunding right now. They throw money at, you know, 20 projects, knowing 19 will fail and one will make it because they got that kind of money to throw stuff right. at. They, they they know the number game. So if you make if you hit it once really big, the other 19 or so that fail don't matter. And so all these guys give all this money, and all of a sudden. Tyrannos blows up. She's now got pictures with Harden, Hillary Clinton. She got now a contract with Walgreens, and they're in every Walgreens all over the United States. And no one ever questioned the fact that where's the data? There's no data yet. So now all these people are doing all these lab tests and going, oh, yeah, I don't need a doctor, this and that. I'm like, well, you never need it. Well, in most states, the United States, if you're willing to pay, you don't need a doctor to get a lab test. The reason why most people go to a doctor is so their insurance covers the testing and they don't yeah. pay as much, or at least right. that's the theory. Um, yep. But to give you an example, um, you know, dealing with all the cases that we have now, people come in and they'll go, uh, that $20 for that test, that's a lot of money. We're doing a Chem 20, so it's like liver, kidney markers, red blood cell, different characteristics of red blood cells like hemoglobin hematocrit, and uh, a bunch of white blood cell parameters. I want to say it's like maybe $21, if you will. So people go, that's a lot of money. And then they go somewhere else, hospital, $600 for the same exact test. And they come back and go, man, how are you guys so cheap? 
So at first glance, it sounds like a lot of money because they have no idea of what a, what a fair market price is, right? So they don't know what's high yeah. or low. Just 20 bucks sounds like a lot of money to them until they realize, yeah, in the hospital, you're going to pay 30 times. Legally, hospitals can charge up to 30 times more for the same service. So wow. what do most people do? They don't do anything, and then when they get sick, they go to the ER. So they're guaranteeing to screw themselves and should pay 30 times more for stuff. And then they go, oh, my insurance covers it. Your insurance covers 80%, let's say of 600. That's 480. You got $120 you're paying for a $20 test. That is not a smart strategy. That's a way to bankrupt yourself long term. So the the point of all that is that, um, you know, there's a lot of strategy that can go into helping people and actually save them money over time. But most people get caught up in the expense of it without understanding, you know, the strategy that they set themselves up to actually spend more money over time. Exactly the opposite of what you want. Yeah. So with... Uh, let's let's go with that whole testosterone testing because it seems like that's probably a lot of people from us that are coming to you for that because I get people all the time asking me, hey, I've got these hormonal issues, and there's a couple of people I recommend, and you're always on that list. So I, always, I send people to you for that. What do you when when someone says they have low testosterone or they feel like they have low testosterone? What's the procedure that you do? Do you test vitamins and minerals, and then you look at hormones? What do you how do you get started on that? Well, so first, we would just chat for free. We do, everybody gets a free consult because one, I want to get a sense of, are they logical? Like, we get so many people that call us that are just out there, and I'm like, I don't know <laughs> if I could help you, right? I'll give you an example. I get flown out to LA to meet with a very high profile actor. He rents an entire restaurant. No one's in the restaurant <laughs> except one other person. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not high maintenance. I'm simple. Call me on the phone, dude. Don't fly me to an empty restaurant, right? So <laughs> I'm there. It's another doctor. The doctor's sitting there. He puts a cell phone in between us. You know, calls this person, and they ask. They want me to read him the questionnaire that I had emailed. I'm like, Are you serious? He's like, Yeah, this is how he wants it done. I'm like. This is so ridiculous. It's such a waste of everyone's time and money. Yeah. But they didn't care. So we have we had this question, and, and uh, this is an older questionnaire, but it was something like, you know, what are your list three goals or concerns? And the guy says something like, I don't want to die. So I respond with, okay, he's interested in anti. Now, keep in mind, he had no no medical problems. I didn't, I didn't put that detail out there, but he has no no medical problems. Yeah. And he says, I want to die. And I go, okay. He's interested in anti-aging services. And he goes, no, I don't ever want to die. And I go, okay. <laughs> I, pu- I go out of touch with reality. <laughs> so then, obviously, they fired me on the spot because the doctor expected me to tell him, yes, I could guarantee you'll live forever. And I'm like, you guys are quacks. No, what the hell, man? man? I'm not going to say something just because you're throwing money at me. I'm, I don't need your right. money. I'm going to do what needs to be done to actually help people. And so... That relationship did not last very long. And so now I'm back in Arizona. And uh, you know, every once in a while we get people that they're, uh, they already have a perspective that will not change. And they're not really looking at it from the ideal perspective. So it would be like this. If your testosterone is low, 
your goal should be something like, let me find out why it's low because it wasn't low 10 years ago. So what changed in my body that got me to where I'm at right now? And how do I prevent this from happening again? That's kind of like a logical thinking process, yeah. uh, a thought process. But if your goal is, hey, man, I only want bee pollen, then I'm probably not going to be the best. I'm probably not going to be the best fit for you. There's probably other guys out there that will sell you something, you know. And so now once we kind of connect and they see I'm um, reasonable, I'm level-headed, I see they're reasonable and level-headed, then I would set them up with uh, a consult with uh, one of the doctors here just because in case there is a medical condition, I need a physician involved. And then the physician is going to go through all the different systems. And now, at that point, the common things we see, the vast majority of guys, um, what I see like over and over again, uh, definitely usually sleep issues. I'll say more than half the guys, they either have insomnia or sleep apnea. Yeah. And so keep in mind, with a sleep issue, even if you inject testosterone, you may feel good for one to three months, but at some point, you're going to have problems again. So imagine guys injecting testosterone, and they still can't get an erection. So we know it's no longer a testosterone type of issue right. because, you know, it's there. They're, they're injecting more and more, and it's still not working. Right. Um, and that's because the um, the effects of sleep deprivation are stronger than the androgenic effects of the testosterone, but it's not commonly um communicated to people. Uh, then the second thing is glucose control issues. A lot of guys mm. have poor blood flow to the penis as they get older because they have a creeping glucose level. So it's kind of like, you know, in your 20s at rest, maybe you're under fasted conditions, your blood sugar, let's say, is 70. In your 30s, it's an 80. In your, you know, in your 40s, it's now a 90. And as you get an older, it's basically gone up, you know, 10 units, say, every decade. Right. Docs look at it and they go normal, 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 because let's say the lab reference range is 70 to 100 or 65 to 100 milligrams per deciliter. So you were normal at every time point, but they're not seeing a positive slope over time. So it's kind of like a problem right in front of everyone, but it's all being ignored because, quote unquote, you're still normal. And so, you know, by the time it gets high, they go, oh, hey, you got diabetes. Like, well, it was going this way for three decades. <laughs> Why didn't you do right. something about it before? Right. Why are you waiting to it's a clinical problem? And then in terms of things that can cause um, an interference in hormone production, that is, like you mentioned earlier, vitamins, minerals, essential amino acids, and essential fatty acids. And the reason why I specified essential if you have problems with any of those building blocks, the ripple effect could be hundreds of thousands of other pathways are affected. So let's just say if I'm all the way at the level of the hormones, I'm measuring all these, you know, end of, um, let's say, end of the pathway biomarkers, there's a lot of stuff I got to measure to kind of get a sense of what's going on. But let's just say hypothetically, if you're low in vitamin A or vitamin D or zinc and forget about all the other nutrients, just those three guys right there, that could impact all kinds of enzymes, immune function. It could have impact the what they call the STAR pathway, which is a steroid acute regulatory gene pathway in testes of men. Like so, 
it won't matter then, you know, if you took a little testosterone because you're still going to have all these other problems going on. But if you affect, if you improve those three nutrients, it has a positive impact of improving hundreds of thousands of pathways. So you don't have to measure all that stuff. So, you know, it's faster and less expensive over time to do improvements in basic nutritional markers because the positive ripple effect is good. And then later on... Uh, do, you, do you do a spectrocell type test for vitamins and minerals, or do you have your own testing protocols? No, so right now we do um, three different labs. So in terms of micronutrient testing, right. the first is a NutraVal, is the name of the test, by Genova Diagnostics. The second is an oxidative stress 2.0 of the blood, also done by Genova Diagnostics. And the third is the SpectraCell test, which is, it's the micronutrient analysis done by SpectraCell. Right, right. And so um, the idea behind that is you're looking at short-term to long-term nutritional status so that we could see if there's a problem going on right now versus a problem that's been chronic. And then we standardize the collection times. You know, you don't have to be fasted for the SpectraCell test, but the problem is, let's say in the future, if they find out there's something when you eat that interferes with the test, then you you have you may have messed up your data without knowing it. So we just standardize it, and we have all blood draws are collected between 7 and 9 a.m. under fasted conditions, meaning they don't eat after 10 o'clock the night before. And that way we kind of know, you know, the environment by which this stuff is collected. We also make sure no alcohol for two days before and no strenuous physical activity for two days before. Because we're talking about testosterone, let's say if you don't, if the doctor doesn't allow for where you are in your training cycle, you could be at a high volume of training where you're releasing a lot of testosterone in your workout, but now when you get tested the next day, you're going to show up lower than normal because the right. body hasn't rebounded for all the production in the workout. And to put things in perspective, if let's say if um, I was like a stalker and I'm hiding in the corner of your bedroom and now you wake <laughs> up and I stick you and I draw your blood instantly when you wake up. Uh, you go take a shower. I won't be with you in the shower, but I draw your blood an hour later after the shower. And then I get it an hour later. You come into the clinic and I draw your blood. So I got like a zero, a one, and a two. So over two hours, I got three time points. Yeah. Um, you could be 1,100, right, getting out of bed. And then by the time you come into the clinic, you're at 700. So 700 yeah. is not a low level, but it, the point is you're down almost 400 points, right? And so right. what I started doing is... Um, now, years ago, we started putting catheters in guys' arms to see maybe we're just missing the window. And there's definitely, for a lot of guys, there's definitely a difference. Um, even in some guys, you know, like some guys, particularly older men, they may wake up 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, a little restless, then go back to sleep, and then, you know, maybe get up again at 6 o'clock and they stay up or something similar. Some guys may just get up and stay up. By the time then they actually get to a lab and get their hormone levels measured, they're way below where they are. So what's happening is, you know, labs are saying, hey, something's low, or the doctor's looking at it saying something's low, and they missed all the stuff that happened before that to suppress it or cause it to be low. And so that's where, you know, sleep, if we improve that, you see almost every guy's levels improve automatically. And so that's just a way of, like, getting rid of the noise, you know, getting rid of things that could sabotage your own hormone levels. Yeah, I like it. 
That's a that's a real comprehensive approach because otherwise you're just looking at numbers on a piece of paper without determining why those numbers look that way. Yeah, plus, you know, the only value, let's just say if you could look at me and you'd be like, Tom, you got low testosterone, and let's say you're 100% <laughs> right, you know, then there's no reason for me to do the test, right? Like, the only reason why <laughs> you would do a test is to get clinical insight that you can't determine by just looking at a guy or, or, or assessing him physically, right? Because it'd be right. faster if you could just look at me, Tommy Lowe, here, take this, done, right? Two minutes, I'm fixed. That's like that's where we're moving towards in terms of technology, where we're going to have more accurate diagnoses and uh, treatments and results will be faster and faster, at least for current and existing problems. We'll probably create all kinds of new problems, but you know, those will be addressed in time as there's more data to figure it out. So, where, so you have so vitamins and minerals. Now, why are essential as fatty acids important to measure? So here's some interesting things. So like um, there's all this data that average person has been exposed to as many as 2,000 different chemicals that don't occur in nature. Now, despite you know all these reports, not a single lab is measuring this stuff and reporting it. You know, there's, there's labs here and there that measure like one thing, three things. But, yeah. you know, if I got 2,000 chemicals in my body, just knowing three probably ain't that big a deal, you know. Um, uh, Genova Diagnostics, Doctors Data, those labs measure, I want to say maybe like they have their toxic core panel and the things similar to that where they measure, you know, a bunch of markers, but they're still nowhere near as robust as like, say, all 2,000 that have been discovered. And these would be like chemical metabolites of styrofoam and plastics and things like that and maybe stuff like it got into the environment, somehow it got into the water supply, and now it's not filtered out. So as you drink your water and you think you've got your, you know, killer filtration system, these substances still get through because somehow they, they've never been, no one's taken the time to validate that they don't get through. So whether it's, you know, from your water or whether it's the food, you know, let's, um, years ago we found all these people having heavy metals and there was, uh, you know, um, a farmer's market that had all this, you know, high-quality organic produce, but the land was naturally high in heavy metals. It had nothing to do with the farmer putting it there or anything. You can't, you know, nature has its own plans, and we're just trying to figure it out as we go. And so you can't hand, you know, there's things like um, underground, you know, water supplies, and, and, you know, there was things like when there was a radiation leakage from Japan, they were testing that stuff, traveling across the world, picking up radioactive metabolites or, or markers in California, and measuring stuff in Arizona. So, like, this is how far some of the stuff can travel. That you know, we're just learning this stuff now because how often is there nuclear fallout where guys know what to do and what to study? You got to wait till the next big event. And so, where I was getting at with a lot of the stuff, all these chemicals that we're exposed to. What I uncovered that I thought was really clever of Mother Nature or God or whoever you want to think about things is that um, if you have adequate levels of essential fatty acids, they protect your nervous system from the chemical damage from lots of these chemicals that are in, you know, in our food supply that we get in our bodies that don't belong there. So the difference between someone giving neurological damage that may lead to ALS or Alzheimer's over time 
and not getting it. I believe uh, essential fatty acids like the alpha-linolenic fatty acid and linoleic fatty acid, they dramatically reduce the dangers of those chemicals to the nervous system. So you could you could think about 2,000 chemicals that you can't even measure and how you can avoid that, or you could just make sure you have enough of two fatty acids. What's easier to do? You know, yeah. and so these are the practical things that a lot of times people will be, well, worry about plastic. That's great because you know about it. What about the 2,000 other chemicals that are already coming into your body that you can't do anything about? Right. You can't live a life that's fear-based, right? Because then might as well yeah. not eat, might as well not drink anything, right, because of contamination. Right. Well, that's not reasonable. So I look for strategies that are balanced between, you know, the best technology has to offer, but also it's practical. Like if I go bankrupt trying to be healthy, that's not sensible, right? Or yeah. if I'm worried about something that's not affecting me, that's not reasonable. So right. hence, you know, the strategies we come up. So with the essential fatty acids, with the limited number of tools, you get much broader protection and it's easier to deal with that than it is to worry about thousands of chemicals that you don't even know if you you have in your body or not. Yeah. So you load up on chia seeds, flax seeds, or what are your favorite sources for ALA? You know, so um, so one, uh, I produced a free ebook, um, Eat for Color. So we basically create a rainbow diet or Cosenta rainbow diet ebook. Anyone yep. go to the website, just download for free. And in it, we took basically all the colors of the rainbow, categorized foods, and then we broke them down into um, the glycemic load. So, you know, generally speaking, you want lower glycemic load stuff because then you could eat a lot more without the blood sugar spiking. And most strategies in the end, if you kind of look at what they attempt to do, they're just different approaches to stabilize blood sugar levels, but they may not make it as obvious in promoting the diet plan. What we do is we just, you know, push it out there in terms of here's how to do this easily on your own. So you don't have to buy a new diet book. And in that, you get all the vitamins and minerals, all the essential fatty acids and essential amino acids you need. It's perfect. Let's 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 hear about the last time you were on that show, you talked about all these alternative cancer therapies that you've had a lot of success with. Have have there been any new developments since the last time we spoke yeah. to you? Uh, absolutely, but I'll tell you what. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about training first, since we just talked about testosterone, and then going to cancer yeah, stuff? Yeah, sure. I think yeah, some sure. Of it, that makes sense. That, that's a good. Well, I think it'll. Yeah, it'll segue in, and so um, so one we were talking about before the recording, we we're talking about training, and uh, years ago, um, I don't know if you guys remember, but you used to see like every once in a while on TV, there'd be like some skinny guy, or I say skinny because he was thin. He wasn't like, you know, a Magnus for Magnuson or Ronnie Coleman, you know, huge dude, but a thinner yeah. guy, but muscular, but trained with bamboo and stuff like that. And so it got me thinking about the properties of different bars or different materials and, and training. And at the time, I wasn't in a position, like I wasn't in a research center where I could look at stuff, but it just got my curiosity. And I'm like, All right, I'm going to file this away. Someday, if I remember it, I'll deal, I'll deal with it. As time went on, um, I started seeing differences in the barbells used, let's say, Olympic lifting versus powerlifting. And I started seeing then different bodybuilders would kind of gravitate towards different bars when they were training. And I think some guys just are really in tune with their body, and they just know what feels good. 
So they may not know the physiological science behind it, but they just know, hey, when I do this this way, I get results and there's less damage or less pain or less, you know, injury or inflammation or something. And so then we started looking at ways of, uh, you know, incorporating different types of progression. And so one of them would be something like when you're, uh, let's say, doing a, a deadlift, um, you would have an inch and a, a one eighth, an inch and one eighth inch bar. So that means the inner part of the bar where your hands grab. Um, so you have like your sleeves that are there, but you would have two sets of collars on each end, and you use the collars to get the plates. Let's say a forty-five pound plate on a forty-five pound bar, but you'd have an inner collar, you'd have a barbell plate, like a forty-five pound plate, and then you have an outer collar, and they would go all the way to the edge. So instead of having the plates in the center or closer to the center, you'd have more weight to the end of the bar. And the purpose right. then is to get, to create uh, maybe the bar, like a bar bend. And so now let's say you're, you're doing your deadlift cycle and you work up to four or five. That bar is going to bend quite a bit because the weight is so far in the end, it's going to make the bar bend more. And now you get, you know, four or five in one workout for, let's say, a set of five. Another progression would be then go to an inch and a quarter bar, or you could put the weight, push the weight towards the center now, and now the bar bends less, so you have to do more physical work to move it. And another progression after that would be to use an inch and a quarter bar. And then if you said, hey, I want to, you know, create like another element of a progression, you could do things where you increase the distance, you have to pull that inch and a quarter bar, or you could go to a thicker bar. So from an inch and a quarter, maybe to an inch and a half, if you have access to one, most guys will find it's easy to get like a two inch or two and a half inch or three inch thick bar. The right. thing you got to be careful of is you know, if you pull 600 pounds with a regular inch and a quarter bar, when you go to like a three inch bar, if you get 200, you're strong. Because yeah, yeah. The grip is it's, such a limiting factor, you know. Oh yeah, and so it, it humbles your ego very quickly. As you go oh, I, I have a two inch bar at the house. That thing is crazy difficult. I don't think I've ever pulled more than I think I pulled two fifty, two sixty on it one time, and it's really yeah. difficult to hold it in place. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I have a, a, a years ago, Wade Gillingham was at a booth and uh, got a crazy strong grip strength, and. I was strong at the time, but I was definitely not a guy known for his grip strength. No one you know, would have even known who I was in terms of that stuff. And right. so I walked over, and he's got a 100-pound, like, uh, square lead brick. Yeah. And, like, 100 pounds, man, that's, you know, that's chump weight. And so I grab it. And this thing's got, it's got, like, a, a fairly shiny surface, and edges are, you know, they were just wide enough, so I really couldn't get my fingers on this thing. And I can't budge it. It basically slips through my hands. And I try it again. I try it again. Wade goes, pulls it like it's a toy, like there's nothing there. I try it again. I try it again. I probably tried it, you know, 100 times for 100 pounds, and I missed every one of them. And this guy could do it easily each time. And if that wasn't humbling enough, I went and I saw in another booth, there's a guy. Um, I'm trying to think. I think that was, uh, oh, man, the guy's. From uh, not Samson Strength, but from uh, Sornix. So yeah. um, I forgot it was it was Rich was the dad and the son was there and I had a Thomas inch dumbbells so like a hundred seventy two oh, yeah. pound dumbbell yeah like, a, like two and a half inch yeah so it's like a two and a half inch uh, two and a half inch handle yeah try gripping it same thing I can't budge this thing 
who shows up, Magnus from Magnuson, right after, it's three weeks after he had his biceps reattached. So he tore his bicep on his, I think it was his right hand, gets it reattached. It's three weeks. He's got still like a, a sling or something on him. He takes the sling off and he grabs it easily and curls it with like a hammer curl at 172 pounds. And so talking about humbling, wow. this coach is yelling and screaming and he's like, what? It's lightweight. <laughs> <laughs> No, that thing's crazy difficult. I couldn't. Our, our well, a mutual friend of ours, actually, of sincere myself, Andrew Durniad, he was able to pick up. He has a really elite grip strength. At least he did at the time. He does different training now, but he was able to pick that up. And that's no joke. When I first heard about it, I go, "Ah, eh, I'll give that a shot." It doesn't sound like it's that heavy, even if it's a thick grip. I bet I could do that. That thing didn't move. I mean, you, you couldn't even get a handle on it. You have to have really yeah. big hands. I think one. So I don't. I don't see how you could lift it with small hands because you just can't get the leverage. Yeah, it's it's definitely a challenge. Um, you know, what's well the the thing conceptually is, you know, um depending on where you have access to resources, you know, uh more and more gyms now have like dumbbells, you know, regular dumbbell handles, but there you could put weights on it and something, like you could have like an Olympic dumbbell handle and you could put like the big plates, you put forty fives on it and do just crazy movements like heavy partial rows or something. So I had already been doing crazy things like 300-pound dumbbell rows. So the idea of 172 pounds, you know, dumbbell, it should be easy. It should be no problem. Right. And the right. difference, though, is, you know, roughly inch and a quarter handle versus, you know, two and a half inch handle. That's the difference is you can't budget. Well, it didn't feel heavy. Yeah. Just you can't hold it onto it. Yeah, to pull through. yeah exactly. So. So where I was kind of going with this is we play with, uh, today we play with bar properties. So most gyms have um, alloys of like chrome or you know, some sort of chrome steel alloy for their barbells. We have um, different carbon polymer bars. The most popular name would be like the Tornado Bar. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it's a great tool. Um, one of the things that I found is that um, people with advanced arthritis could lift with the bar pretty heavy. And the energy goes into the bar, not into your joint. So imagine, like, think about a regular barbell. You come down, a bar touches your chest. So if you hit your chest hard, you know, that bar ain't bending. So all the weight, the energy, the load, whatever you want to, however you're measuring it, it's going right into your arms or into your chest, whatever hits the hardest or is absorbing the energy. When you have a, a carbon polymer bar, when it stops at your chest, the bar continues to bend below your chest. So the bar absorbs more of the energy. And now there's a recoil effect. So if you work on your timing, as that bar starts to recoil back, you're, put, you're timing it and pushing up with it. So now at full extension, the bar is actually helping you to lock out. And now what happens is, again, you don't feel it in your elbows or your shoulders at the top. So lots of guys with uh, bone spurs in their elbows or shoulders can lift with those bars pretty well huh. without... When they're done, their elbows and shoulders don't bother them as much. Now, the limitation is, uh, like, um, I think that bar can handle about 270 pounds added to it. So max weight, you're at 27, 290. So if right. you're someone that's, you know, kind of strong and, you know, you're going to be doing, you know, lots of reps because you can't go heavier with it. But for most people, that's more than adequate to challenge their strength levels. And sure. it's another tool now to get progression but here's the here's the the, the main goal is um, 
to look at cartilage biology and understand how do we get longevity in our bodies so that we're not, you know, 60 and 70 and getting a joint replaced. Um, a lot of my awareness, I would say very recently, meaning like in the last three to six months, I saw that video, uh, Ronnie Coleman on Netflix, so I think it's called The King. Yeah, uh, yeah it's great. Seen that? So, yep. It's, um, you know, here's this guy, you know, I would say most people would agree he's probably the most successful bodybuilder in history. I mean, would you guys agree with that in terms Definitely. of the number of Olympia wins? Absolutely. Yeah, so, and certainly the, certainly the strongest bodybuilder in history. It was, it oh, was yeah. disheartening yeah, to yeah. watch that movie when you saw the condition he's in now. That was really hard to watch where he's upstairs on crutches. He can barely walk downstairs. I don't know where he's at now because I, I know he went through some more surgeries at the end of the movie. But that that was yeah, tough so, because I, re I remember him in his prime. He was so strong. Oh, yeah. Well, um, do you remember – well, I mean, um, I remember back in the day watching him doing, I don't know if it was 200-pound dumbbells or more, and, you know, lightweight, and he's just banging out yeah. you know, sets of 10, 200-pound yeah. <laughs> yeah. dumbbells. Yeah. And I was thinking, man, you know, that's uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, but I had heard – I was hearing that he's starting to get problems with his shoulders and other parts of his body back then, and what I realized is that, you know – Back then, it was just a lot about no one really talked about the neurology of training or the cartilage biology of training. Everyone was focusing on like muscle hypertrophy. You know, what do we got to do to get bigger, stronger muscles? And so, you know, those guys are the pioneers. Like they showed, okay, long term, if you train heavy for a long period of time, even though you get crazy strong and big, there's a point where the joint compression forces. You know, or you're overloading them so much, you can't heal before your next workout. So your muscles have healed, but there's other lingering tissues that still haven't healed yet. And so it got me thinking about, all right, what can I do? So I started studying um, a lot of the cartilage biology aspects. And some of the things that I uncovered is that, you know, if you run a marathon, it could take up to 30 days for the muscle fibers to recover, let's say in your legs. Uh, forget about the cartilage, it definitely will take longer than 30 days. Now, a triathlon, like a full triathlon, is going to be even longer than 30 days, but just in the running world, you know, or let's say the endurance world, who do you know takes 30 days after an event? Nobody, right? Everybody's running the next day, the next two days. So their body's nowhere near recovered, and they're already exercising again. And they're not doing what most people say, well, I'm doing a light run or a light workout. It's based on if they feel anything. That's their definition yeah. of light. Yeah. But your muscle cells are already damaged. <laughs> you're not, you know, yeah. you're already, you can't feel that. So how are you going to use an imperfect assessment tool, how you feel, if it's not telling you you're already <laughs> damaged, you know? Right. So now on the, on the other end of the spectrum, you know, when you do a heavy squat or deadlift workout, it could probably take up to 30 days for the cartilage to heal. But because when guys are younger, they got a lot of cartilage thickness, so they can, you know, they could come workout after workout, and they just say, oh, I'm still stiff or sore, and they're thinking it's muscle, and no one considers that it's their joints telling them you're not recovered yet. Hmm. So these are details. Now, I'm seeing guys in their 20s and 30s that already have arthritis where, you know, years ago, everybody was like, you know, 50s and older. Today, yeah. I'm seeing, you know, baseball yeah. pitchers with, with advanced hip arthritis. I'm sorry, not pitchers, catchers or goalies because right. they're, right. they've got, you know, the peewee leagues into college, into the pros, and they've right. really got 20, 30 years, you know. 
So what we started doing is we started bringing in um, engineers and physicists, and so now uh, we pulled uh, put six different magnetic field systems in our gym, and I got all kinds of uh, LED and laser systems. So like normally if you go to a, like a chiropractor's office or some sort of um, functional medicine doctor, they got a small room and they might do some pulse electromagnetic field therapy or some light therapy with you. Um, we don't have that anymore. All of that stuff is now in a gym and we have a progression. So our our exercise progression not only looks at reps and sets and volume and intensity and things like that, but we're looking at things like what are we doing for your ner- what are we doing for your nervous system and the core of biology. So we also have progressions with uh, different wavelengths of light, different amounts of energy of the light, different intensities of magnetic fields, different frequencies. So we can take people that are in a wheelchair uh, because of muscle weakness or arthritis, and we have them walking the same day. So we have stage four cancer patients that come wow. in. And they're too weak to stand. Um, pretty sure, you know, almost 100% will have them walking within one to three hours. Wow! And uh, you know, we've done this over and over again, so this is like no big deal. Um, so, if I give you an example, if um, we have a, our sort of our poster child right now, I say child, you know, in quotes, it's an 84 year old <laughs> woman that was uh, when she came in, she was really frail, could barely stand. Um, her son and her daughter had to help her here. She couldn't stand upright, and now she looks she looks like she's in her 60s. So not only is she doing better than ever fighting cancer, um, there's all the signs are that there's hardly any signs of cancer in her body. She's physically stronger. Got uh, dealt with her blood pressure, her knee, her arthritic knees, her varicose veins, and all these other things. And so. Um, if you want, like, uh, you know, a site to actually see with your own eyes, go to Mom Gets Well. The family was so blown away with the results of their mom that they uh, put up this site on their own. We had nothing to do with it. We didn't fund it. We didn't ask them to do it. They just did it on their own. And you could see this 84-year-old woman, and she looks like she looks fantastic. And um, it would have been nice if we had the pictures at the beginning and the end so people could see the contrast because, you know, the saying, a picture tells a thousand words. Oh, yeah. But the fact is she's doing amazing right now, and we're all really proud of her accomplishments. But we've actually took, you know, the same so the same principles. So, like, Mike, if you're saying, look, I want to deadlift 700 pounds, how do I do it? We're going over principles for you and your deadlift routine. Imagine taking that same attention to detail for your training, and now we're going to apply that to fighting cancer. Yeah. So we're looking at how do we integrate all these sort of athletic-based modalities, if you will, to helping people fight cancer. So our cancer patients have a full-time strength coach. They have a full-time physical therapist. They have a full-time oncologist, a full-time naturopathic doctor. Just like if you were a football player on a team, you have all the different coaches and, you know, different positions and all that stuff. That's what we've done is taken this athletic performance model and tweaked it now for fighting cancer. So in our gym, we have world champions setting world records right next to uh, someone trying to stand for the first time in two years. And it tells what I'll tell you, a PR is a PR. Everyone oh, yeah. supports everybody. You know, I don't care if you're yeah. deadlifting 100 pounds first time. Everyone's just excited as if you pulled 1,000 pounds for the first time. Because, yeah. you know, the best is the best, you know, and relatively speaking, of course, you know. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of environment you want to be in, right? Whether you're trying to heal or not, it's a positive environment. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so imagine um, so some crazy things we've done recently. Uh, you know, imagine like uh, reverse hyperextension. So you're on this machine, you know, and you're swinging your legs behind you type of thing. So imagine I have you wrapped in a coil. So I have a coil around your spine. So your hips can move freely. So the coil doesn't interfere with your hip motion. And I'm, I'm running like this very powerful magnetic field through your spine while you're doing reverse hyperextensions. And I get to get rid of inflammation in the spine while you're doing the movement. Um, it definitely enhances uh, cerebral spinal fluid moving across the vertebral bodies and the intervertebral disc. Uh, we have guys with crazy back pain. And, you know, these guys have failed 10 surgeries or more. And in one workout, they're like, this is the best my back has felt ever that I could remember. And it's just because we're, we're you know, it's no longer like, you know, like uh, fitness and medicine or health performance. It's all together now. And right. we're doing all these things at the same time. And what happens now is um, it has a lot of application for anyone, regardless of the goal. But imagine you're doing 12 hours of training and therapy, but you're getting it done in two to four hours. That's the impact it has. So the return on investment that we're doing for people is at the level where we have guys flying in on private jets just because they can't find anyone doing this stuff. And then we got local people that, you know, um, are essentially driving in because they can't find anyone where they are that offers these same options. So it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's uh, there's laughing all day long. And there's, uh, you know, I have, um, I have one guy in a wheelchair challenging another guy who's you know, <laughs> a record in the squat. And like you say before, that positive energy. Well, you know, when you have a good, um, you have a positive energy environment where there's a lot of camaraderie. If I'm going to bust on you, I'm going to bust on you. It doesn't matter if you're stronger than me. You know what I mean? That's just something different I got to talk about. <laughs> so it's like you got that kind of thing. And what you find is, uh, you have a lot of uh, you have a lot of unique cultures coming together. So we got people from um, the Philippines and people from Thailand and then people from Cuba and Russia, and they have very different styles of joking. But now over time, they're all kind of blending together. Let's say, you know, we got guys from uh, Jamaica coming in, you know, and so you have like all these different, let's say, sense of uh, you know styles of humor. But once you catch it, it's really funny, you know, like you're like, that was pretty clever. And I haven't thought of that before. So now you're learning like new ways to, to challenge people uh, to get them motivated. So um, yesterday, um, uh, before the show, we're talking about, you know, having time to practice and try things. So um, the way I kind of do things with my team here is uh, we set goals every day. You know, this person, how we get them stronger or faster. It doesn't matter whether they're dealing with a disease or it's just, it doesn't like to us, it doesn't matter if it's fitness, performance, health. Everyone is getting better. And what do we got to do to help that person today? So we have a quick meeting. We discuss certain things. And if we hit our goals for the day, and our goals are usually like, you know, how to help this guy get faster, stronger, how to help this person, you know, stand up more times from a seated position or whatever the case may be. We hit all our goals and we get done on time, then we have to have some fun time in the gym. And we bring, you know, we got, you know, uh, a million-dollar piece of equipment going over to the gym, and we're going to try to do, you know, uh, tornado 
barbell rows with a magnetic field around the spine while you're on a GHR machine, you know? So you get to combine all this crazy stuff. So imagine um, like a carbon polymer bar. So it's re, it's like reverbing or, or bending back and forth. So you have a magnetic field going through your hips and your spine and trying to hold a parallel position to the ground. And you're doing rows with, you know, it's only like maybe, uh, I think it's, we started at like uh, 60, say 70 pounds, and it's going to go up to 170. So it's not a huge weight. You know, uh, we've done, you know, with regular bars, we've done way more weight for barbell rows. But in this particular position, one, it's isometric hole for lower body, so there's no, you're not using your legs at all. It's just really upper body strength, pulling this thing. And then two, the bar, it has like a vibrational effect, and it's thick. So I don't know, it's about two and a quarter inches maybe. So it's 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 a wider grip to hold it. And uh it's a real challenge. And then we see, you know, who could do the most weight or the most reps or whatever silly thing that we're doing, but it creates a camaraderie where everyone's getting, you know, having fun and doing things to push their body. And now we learn some things that we can then use in our training of other people. And, you know, when I talk to, like, really bright guys from all over the world, one of the things I see is a lot of guys are not creating an environment which setting the stage for them to grow and excel. So I'm talking to really, you know, bright physical therapists from Australia, and he's like, man, I'm busy every day. I'm like, well, we're busy too, but what are you doing to take control of your busy life so that you're making sure you have time to continue to grow? Otherwise, you're becoming a slave of your job, and now you're not able to offer the best options to your patients that you you know you're trying to help them. So you have a burden upon yourself to continue to grow. Yeah. And then you know when guys kind of reevaluate that, you know, everybody says the same thing. You're right. I got to just figure it out, and they will, and they do because they have to. Right. Anyone that cares about what they're doing. You, you want to make sure you can continue to grow because that's a form of, you know, it helps you to feel better about what you're doing and gets you thinking more. Yeah, so yeah, um, some really cool stuff. I have um, I got some technologies coming in that I'm really excited about. Um, the technologies are approved for um, urinary incontinence in women. And so basically mm-hmm. think of it as that women that can't control um, urine flow, so I have a little bit of urine that leaks out. Right. What the technology does, though, is it strengthens smooth muscles inside the hip joint. Now, normally, when you know, when you anyone that has, um, think of like the shoulder, the hips. If you have damage inside the joint, if it's like, like say a piece torn, a surgeon can go in and reattach that tear, like say a ligament, for example. But let's say when it's the capsule of the joint has been eroded away because of damage, structural damage, there's not really a good solution. So what medicine says is, hey, let's replace the joint. Yeah. And the problem then is when you replace, let's say you replace that hip joint, well, the kinetic chain, so the ankle and the knee on that same limb, they've already adapted to the old surfaces. So when you make then the hip brand new, you now have a knee and ankle that's still very dysfunctional relative to the new stuff. So what should be done is you should figure out how to fix everything because otherwise all you're going to do is create problems. So if the knee or the ankle don't give out, you're just going to wear out the the artificial hip faster. So with this new technology, what I've uncovered is 
it dramatically enhances um, internal structures of the hip. And so even though it's not approved by the FDA for treating arthritis or other pelvic conditions of the hip, um, it has incredible application there. So I go and I literally I used it, uh, a single 30-minute treatment. I could move, I had better range of motion in my hips than I had in a very long time. And then right after that, I went to another company and tied another technology because I, I was thinking about buying both technologies and stacking them together. So that's why I want to try one and then the other. And literally, my uh, my hypothesis was that if I tried one first and the other, that I would be able to make some dramatic improvements. And I absolutely was. So um, we have now the ability to exercise parts of the body and physically stimulate muscle growth and fat loss in that local area. So, you know, the whole concept of spot reduction or spot gain, they, for years they disputed that. Now it's proven yeah. it can be done. Right. And the, the, the challenge is most people, can they handle the intensity of effort it's going to take? Right. You know, because a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I want to get abs. Okay, great. Lay here for 30 minutes. <laughs> you see, after two minutes, to give You're going to find out real fast how, how bad you want those to have. Yeah. yeah. So I realized I bounced around a bit between the training and that. No, but Franco Colombo talked about how spot reduction, people always say spot reduction is not possible. I remember I used to get chiropractic adjustments from Franco Colombo when I lived in Los Angeles. And he said that he always thought that wasn't true. He said that there you can do some spot reduction. And he would go, he spoke English very well, but sometimes he didn't convey certain ideas as a fix mm -hmm. in a way that's easy to understand. So he would, he would convey some of these concepts. I didn't quite get what he was talking about, but he definitely said that there were methods that he and Arnold used to specifically work certain areas and reduce fat from certain parts. Well, I'll tell you with uh so let's let's if we just look at training alone, you know that if you just train your biceps and you kept training them, they're going to eventually overshadow your triceps. Your triceps may get a little bit you know bigger, a little bit stronger from right. just gripping the weight, holding the weight. Like we did a study right. years ago, Penn State. It was just a squat study. Um, so we just have uh, men and women squatting only, but we would do an upper body strength test as well to see does you know does a, is a squat like really a whole body movement or was it just a lower body movement and we found um a lot of the guys so uh you know men generally speaking have better upper body strength than women uh but in this study we saw incredible improvements in upper body strength from the women the guys got stronger no doubt but like most women don't at least back then, remember this was the 80s, so it wasn't like today. There was a lot more women strength training back then. More women were doing, you know, cardio than there were strength training. Uh, but just from doing, you know, barbell back squats, we saw pretty much every movement people got stronger in. And one of the thoughts, you know, they, they realize is just from, you know, holding the bar behind you, you know, just gripping the bar and holding it, your arms and your shoulders get, you know, get some, there's some transfer, you know, of loading. Oh, yeah. No doubt. So, um, um, so, so from that perspective, you know, you would say, well, the thigh muscles got bigger more than the rest. The thigh muscles had better changes in body composition. 
Um, so you might say hey, there's local effects, right? Because you got more happening and you know, you're, you're focusing on training in one area. Um, there was a group years ago that approached um, us when I was at University of Miami. They had shown that they could rub a cream on the area, and that area did get smaller over time, meaning it did help. It helped induce lipolysis locally. But before they had published was that the a, data, was that, a Yohimbi, was that a Yohimbine cream or a licorice cream? Remember what was in it? No. Um, so what these guys were doing? Give me one second. I gotta look up the name of this. It was um, uh, amino ophelin, I believe it was called. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. That was yeah, something a lot so, of bodybuilders used. To, a lot of bodybuilders used to use that as a contest preparation right before they would get on stage or maybe a week or two before they would get on stage as a way to reduce that in certain areas or at least the appearance of it well it's you know um the guys behind it i don't don't want to mention names because they were very well-known scientists they would so would help what uh kept them from going forward was the media would already kind of started saying so the, the, these news reporters interviewed other experts, and experts said, oh, there's no such thing as spot reduction. And they put, like, this, you know, dubious, you know, shadow over it. So now here's two legitimate scientists that go on <laughs> to become some of the most famous weight loss scientists in history. They had this idea. They actually, you know, they did dose-response testing. They did all this different data collection. They come up with a formula, and now when they're ready to say, hey, we could really help, you know, people lose weight. The media runs all this stuff about spot reduction is quackery, doesn't work. And so they're like, oh, man. It was kind of like, do you remember there used to be like this um, uh, chocolate product called AIDS? You know, was and then now all of a sudden there's a, this new diagnosis comes out for a condition called AIDS. Talk about, <laughs> you know, killing your branding efforts, you know. That's so that's, that's real bad timing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, you're trying to launch a product, and then it got, just happens to be what they name with disease. You know, yeah. so that's kind of like what happened to these guys. They were trying to launch something that had legitimate science behind it, and then you know they didn't want to risk any damage to their reputation, and yeah. they just kind of let it. You know, they, they literally they had a group fund a study at University of Miami. We showed it worked, and then just dropped it, dropped the ball, and said, "No, nah, we're not going forward. Even though it works, we're not doing anything." So. What I see, though, with a lot of these things on the spot reduction, there's um, one element that's overlooked is how you're measuring um, results over what duration of time or window of time. Yeah. You know, like an example would be like, um, let's say if you strength train now and I test you tomorrow and you're really sore, your performance would be worse. So based on that, sure. I might say, Oh, strength training makes you weaker, right? But now, let's say we have a, you know, a periodized progressive model over three months, and now I retest you, and there's adequate recovery and things like that, and all of a sudden we go, strength training makes you stronger. So I have exactly opposite findings based on the timing of the testing relative to the treatment. And that's an area that's largely ignored a lot of times. People look at things like an absolute, like it works or it doesn't work. And they're ignoring that there could be a timing or window uh, option here. And so I've uh, I've uncovered this now with a lot of uh, these magnetic field therapies or light or ozone-type therapies that 
Manufacturers make claims, but they don't test anything. Every single company that makes a product that we're using right now, they have zero data on what it actually does to people. So they'll make claims about, hey, it does this, and they'll say, hey, let me let me see what research you've done on people. And they're showing me studies done by you know Germany and Russia from the 1930s. I'm like, well, that wasn't your equipment, man. <laughs> and they don't get the fact that it's someone else's technology, and they're saying that means their machine works. So mm-hmm. then I'd say, well, if you did a study and your competitor used your study to show that their product works, would you be happy with that? And I'd go, hell no. <laughs> so why would you do that to someone else? <laughs> and that's the, the the aspect of you know this whole um, bio devices market where you get approved, uh, you know, so now you could sell it, but there's really not robust data that shows when it works, when it doesn't work, how to best use it. So that's why we collect all that data here internally so we can guide the training process and the treatment process for the people here. That's really interesting stuff. What what do your own workouts look like these days? We know you've been, you've had some really impressive strength results in the past. You've deadlifted 945 for reps. What are you doing these days? So, well, I can tell you I don't deadlift 945 right now. That's for sure. <laughs> um, most of uh, – so I went through a period of time where my um, – so, uh, so I mentioned to you when I pulled that weight um, physically, I felt brutal. I felt incredibly strong. Like I felt like, oh, I got this. There was no lack of confidence in my mind and based on how I felt. But as I was lifting that weight, I can remember feeling the bones in my knee joints and my hip joints sliding around like as if there were it was like butter or grease inside of me. It was not a um it was ver- it was a very eerie feeling. It was almost a scary yeah. feeling. So as confident as I felt pulling the weight, it was as unconfident or scared as I felt after it was like, wow, something's wrong here. Yeah. Now we fast forward years later and I was at Necker Island. I had to go see Richard Branson. And, of course, this guy's, like, got, like, mm. 300 steps or some crazy number of steps up his house, to his house. <laughs> and I couldn't make it up the steps because my hips hurt so bad. And so then one of my buddies tells me, um, he wrote a book on happiness. And uh, he pulls me aside. He's like, dude, what is wrong with you? You're focusing on everyone else. You're not doing anything for yourself. You got to start focusing on yourself. And I'm like, you're right. You're absolutely right. So I then had to go to Italy and we rented a castle in Italy to do a medical um, event where I was showing that we could take people from anywhere in the world with any medical problem, as long as it didn't require major surgery, and we could help them in any environment. And we picked a castle built in 400 AD just, you know, for to show that it could be done. We have no electricity. Uh, there's no running water. And we could still help people. And so uh, the castle had, I don't know how many hundreds of steps. So I had from, I want to say I had less than six months or three months. I remember the time interval now to go from, I couldn't go up, you know, maybe 30 steps to being able to go up hundreds of steps, you know, with no problem. And the steps, by the way, in the castle, they're not like, oh, measured eight inch steps just like one step's 14 inches one step four inches like <laughs> they're all different heights so talk about randomizing your training so uh, you imagine you imagine, you imagine the moving you imagine the moving crew who had to deliver stuff to that address people delivering <laughs> right, yeah. furniture and a big screen tv whatever else he has in there 
<laughs> yeah, it's just well, uh, I'll tell you what, that would not be a job I would have wanted because that was uh, one you'd have to. Well, so the staircases were, man, I think a small one was 12 feet wide. Some of them were 20 or 30 feet wide. So you had room to, like, if, let's say if you're going up first, we decide, no, I need to go up first. They're, they're wide enough. We could change positions as we're walking up the steps <laughs> with a long couch, you know. But the challenge was that you, as you're going up, imagine every step is a different height. And so you're like, you know, and you feel like a slinky going up and down a low step, a taller step and all that. Um, but I was able to get up and down all the steps, no problem. And today I can run up 100 steps with no easy, no issues. But in terms of um, uh, the training and stuff, I focus on things that improve my range of motion and mobility. And so I'll do things like... Um, I'll do reverse hyperextensions while I'm in a magnetic field or I have light therapy on me. And uh, I use a machine that was made by Samson Strength. I don't do a lot of ballistic. Um, like, you know, um, Louie and some of those guys would talk about doing swinging the weight back and forth. Right. When I look at some of the data um, produced by Stu McGill's lab and some other guys, I think that there's too much torque created in the lower back from too much ballistic efforts and a reverse hyperextension. So I do it more with a slower approach, and then we do a lot more isometric holds at different positions. Um, and then we do a thing where, uh, let's say when I start training, if I don't feel comfortable, uh, let's say I'm supposed to do 10 reps and with the weight. If I start moving the weight, it doesn't feel right. I just go, I stay where I feel comfortable. So let's yeah. say I got five partials at the beginning. And then as I feel comfortable, then I do my 10 full reps. So if you're just counting reps without range of motion of each rep, you might say you did 15 instead of 10. But my thought now is I'm not competing. So if I, you know, setting a PR in a gym doesn't have a whole lot of value to me. So I'm more about how am I making sure that I'm making progress in my range of motion. So... Um, I'm incorporating magnetic field and light. And then I do things where um, I do a lot of stuff for the brain. And the reason is the difference between a man that's 90 and frail and a man that's 90 and a stud, everybody looks at the muscles on the outside of their body and goes, oh, this dude's jacked or this guy's a wimp. What right. they don't see is what's driving the muscles is the neurology from the brain and the cartilage in the joint. So when you when you're have cartilage wear and your bones start to touch, there's a process called arthrogenic muscle inhibition. So as you get more arthritis in the joint, it inhibits your ability to recruit the muscles around that joint. So it's kind of like your body's way of saying, don't do this, it's damaging. So you need to have strategies to to reverse that or deal with it because the problem is if you don't keep the muscles around the joint strong, you're just going to get more dysfunction over time and then more atrophy, exactly the opposite yeah. of what you want. So let's say for me, I have uh, I had bone spurs in my right elbow. I am surgically, you know, scraped out. They came back worse than ever. So I'm not looking at another surgery there. So I started playing around with an ARP machine, and lo and behold, I figured out how to place the electrodes 
So now I could activate the muscles, the triceps, and um, really more it's uh, triceps I need activation with in that elbow without getting any increased mechanical friction. So, you know, I'm bringing in tools that could, um, you know, help me, you know, get more results in my body. And then one of the things I'm working on now is I'm developing a protocol where I'm going to do weekly injections of exosomes. So those, those are, that's the, um, the cellular material from healthy cells that teaches disease cells how to become healthy. I'm going to probably do that maybe for 12 weeks to see if I can reverse the damage I have in some of my joints. And then after that, I'm going to start doing weekly injections of stem cells. And the difference about the process that we're doing is I'll be, um, I'll be using, I'll be shining a wavelength of light on these, uh, on the exosomes. <clears throat> and then I'll be putting the wavelength of light on my joints. So the idea is we're doing an intraarticular injection and then trying to activate these, uh, let's just say, the cellular material to do a better job of tissue repair. And mm. a lot of this data that I'm basing it off of is rodent studies. No one's proven any of this stuff yet in humans. But right. we're so far ahead of everybody else on the regenerative side um, that we're pretty confident uh, that we'll be able to do some cool stuff. And the whole, whole idea is um, before I die, I want to be able to lift some huge weights again without, you know, harming myself or damaging myself, that to me would be a way of really proving uh, to myself intellectually speaking that I could do the things I want to do. Um, the other thing before I die, I want to eliminate cancer as a fear of concern for mankind. So I have like a personal goal and then sort of like a society goal, if you will. Yeah, well, that's an amazing goal. Now with stem cells, I've actually had stem cells injections, and they, they work really well. I've got bone spurs in my left elbow as well. In fact, it looks like something exploded in there if you look at the x-ray. And I, mm -hmm. I went to one surgeon, and he was very reluctant to remove the bone spurs or shave them down because he just he felt it was too close to the nerve, that the risk of nerve damage was too high. But it sounds like even if he could have removed them or shaved them down, as you did, there's still a good chance it comes right back. Yeah, because, well, so think of it this way, like, so on paper, if you have a bone spur and you remove it, that should be like a home run, right? Because you move right. however was interfering with the joint mechanics. The yeah. problem, though, is that is based on an x-ray or MRI, which is a static photo, right? Yeah. It's not telling yeah. you dynamically. So what caused the bone spur is that there's some uneven loading with inside that joint. So the tracking, right. the muscle recruitment right. patterns, all that's off. And so the reason why, if you look at a lot of studies as far as long-term outcomes, surgery doesn't always produce better results, which is shocking because you would expect yeah. like, okay, this is torn. I refixed it. I should be better than before. But it's not addressing what, what made it tear, like how, how what got yeah. you to that position. And this right. is where like compensations in the nervous system or – you know, imbalances of the muscles across the joint, you know, let's just say, I don't know, um, my biceps are stronger than my triceps or one of my triceps head is weaker than the other two. You know what I mean? There's anytime I'm doing an extension of, of the elbow joint, there's going to be maybe a lateral vector that, that shouldn't be there. You know, without addressing those things, you're just going to come right back to where you were. 
and me being a knucklehead that I am, you know, I had that bone spurs. So I literally had surgery done, and I was in the gym the next day. And one of my training partners goes, dude, did you have surgery yesterday? I was like, yeah, they told me not to go heavy, so I don't, I'm not going heavy. And I'm like, he goes, did you read what they said is heavy? And, of course, I did it. They said heavy was five pounds. Yeah, right. You know, I'm curling forty pound dumbbell <laughs> right after seven. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to think of it relatively. Remember, Magnus Samuelson did one seventy two after surgery. So me to do forty right. pounds is not that heavy, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> so I, uh, I will say the stem the stem cells definitely help with pain. Though they used to have this constant pain in my left elbow. Mm-hmm. I don't, have, I don't have the full range of motion back because of all the bone spurs in there, but in terms of pain management, the pain is pretty much eradicated. And I'm able to train on that side. Certain exercises I have to avoid, but ring pull-ups, any kind of dumbbell press variation, those all feel fine. Well, how much it is definitely the lockout different? So, like, so is this your uh, lockout? Is, yeah, it's about 10% away from lockout. <clears throat> well, my, la- my left elbow, yeah. Yeah. So you're entering a bench press competition? No, no, I don't, I don't bench press. I don't, I don't bench press at all anymore. That, yeah, that so then the lockout. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So lockout doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like so, it's, at full extent. I, I can lock it out enough. Yeah, I can lock it out enough with dumbbells that it, that it doesn't feel. I don't feel any tension on that joint or any pain on that joint. So I find that various dumbbell press variations, and I like incline press, so different levels of incline press from low incline to high incline, those all feel really good. Well, you know, so one thing you could do, um, you could have you ever put, you could get, uh, so you could get ankle uh, cuffs, put them on your form, so you could huh. put them right above the elbow joint, and then you could run bands through like let's just say there's gonna be like some you know you could have like a carabiner through the silver buckles on the ankle cuff goes to a band and the band you might have go to like hundred pound dumbbells to just to anchor them and so imagine now normally when you're pressing you have a vertical force and we're gonna assume there's negligible horizontal force and now with the bands as you draw your elbows together you're introducing a horizontal force so what you could do is let's just say normally you do 100 pound dumbbells, and let's just say for simplicity, you do it at every incline angle, just to make it a simple story. Right. You could cut back to 40 pound dumbbells, but with the band tension, it's almost like you're doing a fly with your press. Oh, okay. I see. So you could really cr- you could really crush your chest now, but you're not loading the elbow joints. And now let's just say you know you got two workouts with the bands. And then let's say, you know, in a month, let's say you're doing one workout a week, you know, in terms of an idea, you'd have, you know, two workouts or maybe one workout a month where you're going full loading with the, like, say, you know, heaviest dumbbells you can with, you know, pain-free. And the rest of the time, you're incorporating other techniques to challenge, let's say, your chest, your tricep, your anterior deltoid, whatever it is you're targeting, mm-hmm. but without getting a joint compression. So now you won't get the aggravation, you know, of that bone spur over time. And so then the results of stem cells will last you even way longer. Because yeah. eventually if you yeah. keep, you know, if, if if that bone spur gets, let's say if it gets bigger or if the series of bone spurs get bigger over time, then eventually yeah. it'll either shorten the range of motion and you won't have pain, but you just won't move. 
or yeah. you have yeah. the same range of motion, make it more painful. So there's another way to right. get your longevity. Yeah. Well, that's good to know because those, those are definitely concerns I have. Dude, um, so you know, um, like the vibration platforms, the United States, how you stand on them and they move you. Yeah. 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 I, I have a, I have a, you ever heard of the Juvent? The Juvent? I don't, I don't think I have. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, yeah. it's a vibration plate, but it's not aggressive such as a TurboSonic. It's more micro-loading. Okay. What, what do they call it? Micro-impact training. I actually find that feels great on the knees. I actually have one at my house. bought one a couple of years ago. I use it every day. I just stand on it for 20 minutes. It's very subtle. You barely feel anything. But I usually do my mobility okay. work while I'm standing on it, different Indian club moves and so forth. I like it. I don't know if it's just in my head. So is it? No. But, uh, so, I, but I like is it? it. Um, so does it move you or does it send sound waves through you that move you? It doesn't really move like, you at all. It feels like okay. a light massage on your feet when you're standing on it. Okay. All right. I'll send you some links about it. I'll send you some info. Yeah, yeah, I'd be interested. So where I was getting at is um, the uh, the vibration platforms that I've evaluated, they mechanically move you, right? So you're standing on a surface, right. and that surface moves. And then yep. Yep. Um, nothing necessarily wrong with it. But the thing about it is, let's say you got arthritic knees, arthritic hips, you already have a lot of dysfunction in the joint, and standing on a surface that may shake you more is not necessarily the best way because you can't react quick enough to counter it. Yeah. So it plus, plus is, there any, is there any benefit of these machines also? Well, I think it could provide another training stimulus and another environment like if you have healthy joints um creating just another well you know i guess so depend on, on what the application would be if you have an average mm -hmm. person that's hit a plateau there's nothing wrong with putting um like uh setting up so like you're bench pressing while you're just some micro motions in there or squatting or something whether that carries over to you being a better hockey player or a deadlifter or some other movement, that's, that'd be controversial, you know. Right. But it's right. just another parameter of training that you could play with. But where it's getting at that, though, is uh, with people with advanced arthritis, moving them mechanically is not helpful long-term. It will definitely mm -hmm. aggravate their arthritis. But initially, remember I was saying about arthrogenic muscle inhibition, so let's say you've yeah. got a guy, he's got really jacked up knees and hips, such as me, <laughs> and you're going to throw him on a platform okay. that vibrates. He may initially feel better because you're forcing him to learn how to use those muscles around a joint that were inhibited from the, the irregular or uneven joint surfaces. So initially he feels good. So now he says, hey, I'm going to keep doing it. And now he keeps doing it. And over time, then the arthritis gets worse and now inhibits the muscles around it so strongly he can't do anything to change the outcome. And so right. um, there's technologies from Korea that I'm evaluating that I hope to get here where you stand on the surface and it does not move. It sends sound waves through the body and then the sound waves move the tissue that you're targeting. And it's my belief, I can't prove this yet, but I think that's going to be the way that of the future where um, imagine I use sound waves and light and I could use the sound waves to break up calcifications inside the joint. 
I could use magnetic fields and maybe light to help repair some of the tissue and break up other calcifications. Uh, if you get a chance, find a, a place nearby, or if you want to, you know, come out here, find a, a Pulse XL Pro and extend it as the rings, and then put your arm, you know, assuming your arm will fit through the rings, so you have the ring on either side of your elbow, and try to get the magnetic field inside the elbow joint. Mm, okay. I've done that. Um, It'll be. It might be too awkward to work out with it, but you could, um, like, you could do some, um, um, just some unloaded flexion extension of the elbow while the rings are, you know, generating magnetic field. What's cool about it is it'll put the magnetic field inside your elbow joint. So any bone spurs there, you know, it'll hit it. So you may have to start out, you know, low because it may be painful. Um, so you don't need it to hurt. Just go lower till it doesn't hurt. But over time, you'll find if you do it consistently, um, you should get more pain-free range of motion, and it should break up the calcifications in there. Oh, yeah, I'd love to try that. That sounds super interesting. Yeah, it's just a Pulse XL Pro. Pulse have XL you guys Pro. seen? Um, yeah, it's uh, there's, there's, I mean, lots of chiropractors have them. I'm not sure about yeah. other guys like profession that has them. Seems more chiros are into it than other docs. So that's probably the best bet to find one of those guys. Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely try that. That sounds really interesting. Let me just write that down real quick. What about mess? What, what, what is that called? Platelet rich therapy. Is that something you've experimented with? Yeah, so, um, so well, usually I know it as platelet-rich plasma. So I brought in um, right, a dozen right. different machines, and I took my blood, ran it through each machine, and I tested all the stuff. And so there's different proteins that um, are being considered as tools to fight arthritis or inflammation in the body. Um, one is called, um, let's see, IRAP3. And it's uh, interleukin receptor antagonist protein, third generation. It's basically, it's, uh, it's a protein that blocks the effects of interleukin-1 beta. Another one is um, alpha-2 macroglobulin, which attaches to an enzyme that breaks down cartilage. And so what I've, what I've uncovered is that lots of products, they, they do really good at one, but then they really suck at everything else. And, you know, in terms of, like, if we're going to talk about a model of the future, like, where should medicine be right now? Uh, medicine is still in kindergarten. What should happen is a doctor sticks a needle in your joint. They draw out the synovial fluid. They measure the environment inside your elbow or hip or knee or whatever shoulder. It doesn't matter the joint. And they go, hey, you know what, Mike? You got really high levels of this protein, this enzyme, and that's what's breaking down your cartilage. So the best tool would be a tool that produces the protein that inhibits that enzyme because then instantly you're going to break down, you're going to stop the breakdown of the cartilage um, or whatever bone or whatever, you know, depending on how much damage is there. Now, I've been talking to orthopedists about this for over 10 years, and everybody says, oh, we don't do that, we don't do that. And just recently, I saw a group that produces something that, that they're recommending that. So they actually started it, but they only measure one marker. And the reason why, because they want to justify sales of their product. <laughs> so I'm like, guys, 
here's the ideal way to do it. Measure all the, you know, measure interleukin one beta, measure all these different enzymes that break down cartilage. And that's how people know the right product to get because if I have a PRP product from Germany, I have a PRP product from another country, like say Italy, a PRP product from the United States, they're all different. But what people say is, oh, I have PRP done, yet that's to- you don't really know what that means because right. it's like saying that I had a piece of fruit. I right, was an apple, but which apple, you know, or was it orange? Like right. there's so many different options, but it's all labeled as one thing. And um, what it came out of all this is that uh, I tested – I'd probably say about 16 different products in total, give or take one or two, because I don't remember exactly. And I found for certain, and, you know, some of these companies were charging like $49 a kit, and some are charging $2,000 a kit, and that's the cost to the doctor. So, like, when the doctor goes, oh, I do, you know, PRP for thousands of dollars, that's because he's buying a a kit that he believes produces a better quality product. And then you've got another guy doing a PRP, let's say, for 300 bucks. He may be using a kit that was a lot cheaper, so he can. That's how they can leverage. You know, one guy could be cheaper than another guy. But I actually found when it came to alpha two macroglobulin, if I got a red top and I drew some blood, the red tops we get for free, so there's no cost to us. And um, get the blood specimen, spin it down, extract out the serum later on. That produced almost as much alpha two macroglobulin. As a kit that was eight, that my cost was eighteen hundred dollars, hmm. so I went back to the company and go, dude, you charge me eighteen hundred bucks, and it's not that much better than what what is free. <laughs> so how do you justify <laughs> this? You know, like yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. And I try to say, well, that's unusual. Normally we're ten times higher. And I go, okay, send in your people, draw the blood on my body, and show me. And I'm going to yeah. send it to a, I'm going to take specimens and send it to another lab so that way there's no influence, you know, if they send it on their entire lab. And they refuse to do it. And so what you find is that if you actually ask a company to validate things, there's a lot of uh, hesitancy because they don't want you to see it's not always as good as they make it. But right. anyway, the gold right. standard would be measure what's in the joint that you know what to affect because that's how you then make dramatic improvements right away. Yeah, that sounds very sensible and that's a very targeted approach as well. Now, what about IG? Have you ever experimented with IGF-1 injections at the pain sites? I remember talking to some MMA fighters where they said that yeah. it, was, it was amazing how restorative it was. And I believe Mark Philippi actually said he tried it too in his knees and other areas where you just inject IGF-1 right into the area. Well, so... I can't comment on what they had injected because I wasn't there, but here's what I can tell you that the reason why IGF-1 doesn't work is the half-life is too short. So it has to be a modification of the protein. So they could have, so there's, um, oh, uh, so you could do something. So let's say whether whether it's growth hormone inside a joint to stimulate local IGF-1 production, or Mm -hmm. you could just say, well, I'll go right to IGF-1 um, there's similar strategies, but the differences are this, that uh, growth hormone may stimulate surrounding cells to convert into chondrocytes or other cells that are needed. IGF-1, it's a little more controversial whether it'll do that, but the dosages of growth hormone needed were sky high, like 12 to 20 IUs in a knee. Yeah, that's huge. And so then... 
um, the half-life of growth hormone IGF-1, they're pretty short. Like It's estimated they only last in a joint maybe um, 20 minutes or less. So imagine like, you know, you got really inflamed elbow or knees or hips. You know, that inflammation is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Anything that lasts only 20 minutes is not going to make much impact. Right. So the IGF-1, what they did is they modified the structure and they have um, like long chain IGF-1 and they have variations of it, short chain IGF-1, where it supposedly changes the pharmacokinetics, but that data is based on injecting in the blood, not in the knee joint, or in, say, in the intraarticular. There's data on using what they call pegylated versions of hormones. So they basically, they put um, a polyethylene glycol molecule they attach to the growth hormone or to the IGF-1. What the polyethylene does to the body, who the hell knows? <laughs> but it's been, it just makes things last longer, you know? So yeah. it's kind of like, you know, one of the challenges sometimes the scientists is that a lot of these guys are doing stuff because they could get funding, not because yeah, it's right. best for the human body, right? Right. So now right. they're like, hey, we get IGF-1, it lasts longer, and no one questions, well, what happens to the part that makes it last longer? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Where does that go? So if we let's just assume it's safe for now. No one really knows, but let's assume it's yeah. safe. Then you could get like uh, maybe a couple of days, maybe even a week if you inject enough of it. But then the problem is it's ungodly expensive. You know, I don't, I don't know right. how many thousands right. of dollars it would cost, but oh, practically yeah. now, you know, if you come to me and go, hey, man, fix my elbow. Okay, right, five grand a week. You're like, dude, come on. It's like, it's like a little <laughs> bit up there, you know. Yeah. So it's kind of like one of those things that where does this fit? And so like right yeah. now, um, uh, I think there's potential. But years ago, we were getting in – um. We used IGF-1, we used uh, bone morphogenetic proteins, and we used a cascade of molecules. We used things to inhibit enzymes, we used things to upregulate all kinds of other anabolic factors for chondrocytes. And <clears throat> um, in the end, I would say this, you know, we're talking uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars of expense. I would not say the results justified the expense. You know, in my mind... Right. If I was doing plyometrics off a two-story building, pain-free, that was worth it. <laughs> Anything short of that, you know, I don't know if that got the best best return for my money. So, but at the time, it was really cutting-edge molecules. But the, the main limitation we think is that the half-lives are too short. Yeah. So you like it's like stimulating all this wonderful stuff for 20 minutes a day. And the rest right. of the day, you know, dealing with all the other stuff that's bad for you, it, it's probably not going to work out real well. Right, right. That makes sense. Well, look, we'll let you go in a minute. I just have one question for you that I wanted to get some insight. What do you think about colostrum? I've been reading a lot about that, how it's very effective for people with leaky gut syndrome, gut issues in general. has some growth hormone-inducing properties, although I believe that's pretty mild, such as I think one study showed a 17% increase. But in terms of the gut health benefits, are you familiar with colostrum? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so years ago, I wrote a book with um, Dr. Jose Antonio and a couple yeah, other sure guys, Dr. Kalman yeah. and uh, Jeff Stout. Uh -huh. And um, yeah. that was one of the products that um, 
I think Joey did a study with, uh, I want to say, I don't remember the company, but I want to say Symbiotics, I think was the Yeah, name. that's the company I've been looking into. Yeah, yeah so so here's the thing is that um, uh, really good colostrum will have undenatured growth factors like IGF-1, mechanical growth factor, things like that. But there's no standard. So it's kind of like homeopathy. Every company claims right, their right. product's the best. And yeah, you will sure. prove it to me. And there's no, there's no objective way to compare all these colostrums. Yeah. A couple of things about colostrum that's good, though, is um, it has growth factors. That could be very therapeutic to the lining of the digestive tract. But where, to, where there's more better quality research is in immunoglobulin therapy. So there's um, IGY, which is immunoglobulin Y, which is basically the proteins. So they inject chickens with human pathogens. The chickens produce antibodies called IGY to the human pathogens. Yeah. They then isolate those antibodies, and it's like a you know protein powder that you would take. You cannot digest it. But it, it, it think of it as the antibodies attach to the pathogens, and then your T lymphocytes then see the pathogens and either kill them, or when you go to, we have a bowel movement, the pathogens passively leave your body. Mm-hmm. And they do the same thing with IgG from colostrum. And so the idea is if you're looking for better, you know, more um, objective or better quality ways that have more data behind them, from proving, let's say, health of the digestive tract, I would definitely look at IGY or what some companies call like a hypermute egg or IG, I think it's called uh, IGDF26, something like that, as a different names. Um, but I would look at those types of products and then the immunoglobulin G products, which is basically um, it's immunoglobulins isolated from the blood of cows that have been injected with human pathogens. Hmm. And what's cool about this stuff is um, people that have dairy or egg allergies seem to still be able to handle it. Um, so you still have to be aware, like if someone does have a dairy allergy, you take a product from a cow on the IgG. So just maybe start with a little bit just to make sure you're okay with it. Same thing, people that have egg allergies, start with a tiny amount of the IgY stuff just to make sure you're okay with it. But what that does is that'll really help. Um, it's been shown to reverse damage from like NSAIDs, in uh, the lining of the digestive tract, and oh. there's really good data on that stuff. The data is much better than the data on colostrum. Now, okay. I will tell you this. Years ago, um, I want to say this is in the 90s, so I'm not saying I'm old. I'm just saying I have experience. And so <laughs> in the 90s, <laughs> we, had, uh, we were studying colostrum, and at the time, uh, you know, there was uh, metrics, there was GNC, there was this company called Royal Numico, and there was all these supplement companies. They were all doing pretty good numbers in terms of sales. Oh, yeah. And this company from Europe just buys up. They're buying metrics. They're buying Rexel Sundown. They're buying GNC. They're buying, like, all yeah. these companies. Didn't, didn't, Rexel when, Sundown buy, didn't Rexel Sundown buy metrics, and then someone bought them out? Yeah, so it was kind of like a bigger fish getting another bigger fish. You know what I mean? It's yeah, kept, right, uh, right. going up the food chain, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I remember in a, in a short period of time, there was like three or four sales of like a company gets bought out and another company buys them and another company buys them. It's just kind of getting yeah. bigger and bigger. Yeah. And in the end, there were companies I never heard of buying other companies that I knew all, all about. So it was just, that's how like, you know, how much change was in the, you know, let's say um, sports supplement industry, if you will, a nutraceutical industry. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway, at one point, um, one of the companies that GNC had bought or purchased rights to a colostrum product, that colostrum product, um, man, I want to say it was bio something, but I, I could be drawing a blank because, you know, this is 20 some years ago. It could be, you know, my memory could be flawed now. Yeah. But it was, um, um, they show increased power and increased lean body mass in track athletes. And then it created uproar because it came out that, you know, IGF-1 is a banned substance, but um, back then it was International Olympic Committee and U.S. Olympic Committee. Now it's USADA and WADA, you know, doing the drug testing. But IGF-1 was banned, and then they were trying to say, well, it's IGF-1 in the colostrum that was producing no results. So they were trying to say colostrum could be a banned substance. So it got a lot of attention. Right. Well, in regards right. to that, every bodybuilder dude was like, well, this shit has IGF-1. I'm buying this colostrum now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember IGF-1. that. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. all the bodybuilders already knew IGF-1 works to increase muscle. And so GNC had some crazy amount of this colostrum. And during the acquisition, all this colostrum was there. And it, it something happened like it passed the expiration date. So let's just say it has like a two-year shelf life and the expiration date is, you know, this date, like today's date. They're like, man, we got all this colostrum we have to throw out. So I was like begging and pleading. I was like, just ship it here. I'll take it myself. I don't care if it passed the expiration date. Well, <laughs> yeah. because it's not bad. It's just a legal no, thing, right? right? Yeah, it's not yeah. Like I mean, it's, spoiled. it's usually more than two years. I mean, because to get a three-year yeah. label, you have to do this experiment where you put a capsule in this environment for three years to prove it has a three-year shelf life. But most products have way more than a two-year shelf life. Yeah, yeah. So it's just it's just more like you know we stamped it and this is the date we're saying it's good by. Yeah, but exactly, it's going to be way. It's, you know, it's not like it got spoiled or damaged or it lost its potency or something. So I'm like, just send it to me. And they're like, we can't do that legally. I'm like, I won't tell nobody. <laughs> you know, they, I'll say I found it. Yeah. It fell off a truck. Anyway, they, said it. they threw this shit out. They threw away millions of dollars of colostrum. And, wow. Uh, to this day, I, I haven't moved on, man. I'm still holding on to that. It still upsets me. Because <laughs> that's your, that's your that's baseball card story? Yeah, like my dad yeah, said, my grandfather threw away all of his baseball cards. He still talks about how <laughs> how he lost hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> on that. To this day, he still brings it up. <laughs> yeah, I have a classroom story, not a baseball card story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I brought up some some repressed feelings you have here. He's triggered. That's right, man. This is my my therapy session right now. <laughs> yeah, I remember during the '90s, it was a big deal. And that now it's coming, now it's making a resurgence, not so much in the fitness community, more on the medical side of things, people with gut issues and irritable bowel syndrome, so forth, things like that. I had, a, I had a dog who ate something nasty, and she was having some gut issues, and I gave her a little bit of this powder on an empty stomach, and I don't know if it was, maybe she just healed, maybe she would have healed anyway, but she was back to normal really fast. I mean, by the end of, by the by that evening when we went for a walk, she had normal bowel movements, and she was pretty upset for a while. Her gut was pretty messed up for a minute. So it could be coincidental. It could be she just healed at the same time, but it seemed like it made a difference. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. There's, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in colostrum in theory, right? The challenge though, right. is because it's on a standard. Let's say the first lot you get, you lucked out, and this stuff is loaded with all kinds of growth factors and, and let's say, healing right. components. 
Now the next slot, you got the you know the short stick, right? There's nothing in it. It's kind of like right, you know the results right. could be inconsistent. It would be nice sure. if there was a standard, because what most companies say is, well, our standard is our our production or our manufacturing policies and procedures, but that's not objective enough, you know. And um, hey, that reminds me on the manufacturing side. Here's something really cool to share with everybody. So. Um, uh took almost a year and a half, um, but we've identified a um, a form of vitamin K that's extremely uh, beneficial for people that are trying to fight cancer. Mm. And years ago, it would cost a couple hundred bucks for a month uh, for this form of vitamin K. And I was like, man, this this isn't that expensive. It is so overpriced in the marketplace. You know, I wish there was a way I could figure out how to get this. And so it took like forever. Finally find a company that's all right, I'm going to inspect them and they make everything, blah, blah, blah. They do the the standards that we want. Because, you know, someone with cancer, that's not like someone you could just throw anything at them because their immune system or it could be weaker or their overall their their overall health, they could be very frail. So you got to make sure you know what you're giving them because you don't want to harm them, right, in the process of trying to help them. Right. So um, anyway, we're able to um, get a two-month supply that I believe now, I think it's uh, going to be less than 200 bucks. So figure what would have cost people over 600 bucks is now um, for two months is now going to be to less than 200 bucks for two months. Yeah, that's not there's bad at very all. few. Yeah, well, there's very so that's a hundred bucks a month roughly. There's very few right. companies that are in the oncology space saying, "Look, here's how I'm creating value, and here's how I'm helping other people beat this disease." Uh, none of this bullshit. Well, we need give me money. So I could drive a Bentley, and then uh, you know I'll tell you what I do with the money later on, right? That's what most yeah. cancer standards are doing: is they give us money sure. so we could help these kids with no hair. And they're like, "Well, what have you actually done?" Well, they haven't done exactly. anything, but they're driving a fancy car. And you're like, "Yeah, wait a minute. Well, you don't need a Bentley to fight cancer. What you need is to actually <laughs> do something." You know? Right. Right. Hey, whatever happened to uh, six oxo? Remember, I remember you did a, an experiment with that a while back, and yeah, so you showed, you yeah, showed that it. it increased testosterone quite a bit. And it was always marketed as a as an AI or an AI alternative, but it, it didn't seem like it lowered estrogen so much more than it actually increased testosterone a great deal. Well, so um, one at the time I did that study, remember that was Patrick Arnold's company. Yeah, yeah, right. Or go so, farm. Yeah. So yeah, so Patrick's company hired my company to test it. And uh it definitely worked to increase testosterone. And then shortly after that, Pal, uh, Pat was being investigated for the whole Balco scandal. Yeah, and right. And he was the guy so he was the guy that was making the stuff for Victor Conti. And this Yeah, that yeah. stuff to clear, yeah. yeah. Right. So Pat's like, Hey man, you know, uh you know, how the study go? Studies great results, man, but I ain't publishing shit <laughs> because I can't <laughs> let people know that I'm working with you when you're asked going to jail. You know, it's that straightforward. And so. Uh, but that study, so yeah, that study did come out, though. That study did come out, though, didn't it? Well, I, mean, I, read, no, I don't know what happened. Results. Yeah, I published an abstract. I, I presented an abstract at oh, a okay. scientific okay. conference, right? 
Right. And it's a, the way the kind of the formal way it goes is there's there's a peer reviewed sources online I could submit data, and then different bright people read it and they have different perspectives and feedback, and then um, I may I could then take that data and then submit it for publication. I could take parts of the data and present it as abstracts if it's never been presented before at a conference. So like there's different ways you could share. The findings, you know, that are that are acceptable right. professionally, right. Okay. scientifically. So Got we it. had presented an abstract, and then the goal was abstract first. So you get it's kind of like getting more exposure for the for the same thing, if you will. And then we're going to do a write up and get it in a, a scientific journal. It's peer reviewed to show hey to stuff. And um, um, right, so the you know keep in mind back then things were so incredibly slow. Like it might be two years before something like I submitted today gets accepted and it's, you know, published in two years. And yeah. so during the time from the abstract presentation after that, all this Balco stuff started and, you know, which uh, I like Pat personally, I got no issues with the guy at all, right. but it just, you know, I'm at a major university. I can't be saying, Hey, I'm doing work with this guy. And oh, by the way, he's under investigation and getting ready to go to jail. It just, you know, wasn't a good fit. <laughs> Yeah. So then um, I talked with some other guys at another university, and they're like, oh, we don't care about that. And so then other guys <laughs> wind up studying it, and they did the study, you know. So I believe they published okay. their data. Yeah, but I was um, I was at a point in my career where I was still, uh, in terms of, like, academics and university research, I was still climbing the ladder, right? So when right, you're like right. the small fish on the pond, you can't disrupt certain things or you just get ostracized sure. very quickly. Whereas yeah. the other guys, they were already department chairs. I mean, yeah, they could have been fired, but when you're bringing in millions of dollars for university, they're going to put up with a lot because yeah, you're sure. bringing in money, sure. you know? Yeah. And I wasn't yeah. at that level yet that I could, you know, I could speak my mind. It would be like, you tell me what to do and I do it, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, sure. Now, I know it was banned for a while. I think it got looped in with all the pro-hormones. But it seems like it's available again. I could have sworn I read something somewhere. They, they're just calling it by a different name, maybe the chemical name well, of it rather than the short six oxo. Well, that's always. I'll tell you what, man. That is. I mean, that's one of so in the in the in the dietary supplement industry. One of the tactics or the games that's played by companies is that, let's say, you know a product is on a banned list or the FDA says it's violated. Well, so banned just means sports, right? Legally, you could sell right. banned stuff. It's just sure. that athletes are not yeah. supposed to take it. Right. But let's, let's, just, let's ignore the banned aspect of things. But if let's just say the FDA has a position that a certain chemical structure is a drug, they name it. And let's just say they call it, you know, uh, drug one, two, three. Now someone comes to market, and they figure out a chemical name for the same substance, it could be years before the FDA figures out that drug one, two, three is the same thing as this company's, you know, drug ABC. So right, they can right. sell it for years before they get a warning letter. They can make up to $10 million a year. Yeah. They get a warning letter and then they go, Oh, we made a mistake. We'll pull it. And there's no real, <laughs> there's no real penalty. And, and the fines, I mean, uh, Kevin Trudeau, basically was selling coral calcium to cure everything. He got to the point where he's almost saying it's going to cure cancer. Does yeah, a billion dollars. And then his fines were minimal. Right. So he basically right. showed is that 
you know, it, it's it's better to break the law and pay the fine right. than to comply with the law. And that, so a lot of guys, you know, they say, what the, um, what's the saying? I'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. And that In the dietary supplement industry, there's lots of guys that'll put something in a product. You know, it's so like years ago, guys were taking creatine monohydrate. and go, I feel it. I'm like, dude, you can't feel it. It's inside your muscle cells. And they're like, no, I, I get shaky when I take it. I'm like, then there's something else there. And sure. lo and behold, they find guys are putting ephedrine with the creatine. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. all these guys would have stuff that they would, you know, spike their supplements with. Yeah, that, that was notorious. I mean, it still happens now. But remember, remember hot stuff? That was oh yeah yeah <laughs> that was that was notorious for that. So I was in high school and all of us took it and everybody's making gains. Everyone's adding thirty forty pounds to their bench press and, <laughs> and then all of a sudden didn't work anymore. So that was a total yeah. pain switch. And there's a rumor it had yeah. methyl testosterone in it. Yeah, there was. So I heard so over the years, you know, different guys in the industry that were working with uh, that were somehow involved with hot stuff or the company behind it. Um, yeah. I heard that it had Dianabol. I heard that it had um, <laughs> Clenbuterol. You know, I've heard all different things, but there definitely was something in it. There was also there the was FDA issued a warning yeah. letter at, at one point. I don't know if you could find it online, but you used yeah. to be able to look up hot stuff in the FDA. There was a warning letter where the FDA was responding to allegations that there was stuff in a product that wasn't on the label. Right. And then, you know, I don't know what, what the consequences, I don't know what happened over time because I wasn't really involved in following that kind of stuff back then. Right. But I'll right. tell you this, that, um, I, you know, how many products today claim they have human growth hormone in them and they're hmm. allowed to be sold? And we've tested them. There's zero growth hormone that's detectable, but they claim it's homeopathic. And somehow yeah, 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 homeopathic yeah. growth yeah. hormone works better than real growth hormone. Yeah. had to evaluate a topical product and a homeopathic product. And um, this woman, she's, she's actually real PhD. She was a, a professor at university, so I want to mention her name. But she claimed a response rate from a homeopathic growth hormone product that, like, the p-value was so low and the effect size was so large, it basically means 100% of the people that take the product responded. So then it's like, all right, anyone can take this right now and get results. So now when we test people, we see zero results. So there's no way, you know, there's no way scientifically she gets 100%, we get zero. If we're doing the same, you know, we're taking the same product. So something's got to be different, right? Unless there's right. something that's done that damages a product or whatever. And, uh, you know, so when we tested stuff um, on a growth hormone, secretic oxide, uh, we found zero products worked, um, and these products were selling for one eighty nine a month. Oh yeah, and people were swearing, yeah. swearing that they were working, and we couldn't find anything that worked. One guy, um, we contacted the owner of the company. That company's doing a hundred million a year right now. Wow. Um, the guy sponsors the Olympia. Uh, we did. We tested his uh, growth hormone secretagogue, found it didn't work, and he goes, "We'll try to do twenty times more." <laughs> like, wait a minute, <laughs> we're testing. You claim the label claim works. That's what we're testing. He goes, yeah, no, exactly. For me. So we tested a twenty time higher dose, and it still didn't work. And I said, "Dude, 
any number times zero is still zero. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it doesn't matter how many doses we go. If there's nothing there, there's nothing there. And uh, anyway, he made millions of dollars on that product. Yeah. And so, you know, it's uh, there's still a lot that could be improved in the dietary supplement uh, place oh, my arena, if you will. Yeah. No, 100%. Well, hey, man, thank you so much for the time. As always, that's great information. And what's your website again? Where can people go to find out more about what you do and they also look into your consulting services as well? Yeah, so it's Causenta, C-A-U-S-E-N-T-A.com. And then um, at the bottom of the homepage, there's a form. You sign for a free consult. Um, they could ask, you know, we could send them. Uh, we have... Uh, free podcasts, free blog posts, all that kind of stuff. And people could, you know, um, get anything they want. We don't charge them anything. So it's kind of a no brainer. Just get it easy. I'll read it, delete the shit, but at least you got it coming in. Um, but what's really cool is, uh, we just created a library and we just finished the top 20 cancers. So everything is not there yet, but it's pretty close but you'll be able to put in, you know, top 20 cancer. These are the most common cancers that we get questions on. And then you'll see anything related to that. One of the challenges we're seeing right now is um, we've just figured out uh, people with HPV type cancers, we just figure out a way to help people without chemotherapy or radiation hmm. or surgery. Um, we're getting like 70% reductions in tumor sizes and then getting them to no evidence of disease. But the reality is the laws of the United States and a lot of other countries right now, the FDA only, the FDA only recognizes chemotherapy, radiation, and surgery as, as legitimate forms of treatment if you have cancer. Yeah. So even though we're seeing these results, <clears throat> I cannot tell you that will treat your cancer. I have to say, look, yeah. we're providing support for, yeah. you know, all these yeah. other therapies. Um, so the challenge is right now is the science is rapidly advancing and changing faster than the laws can change, or at least, you know, policies and procedures and so forth. And um, I believe, um, I, I would say by four, before 2020, we will have the ability to help more people than ever and minimize the need for chemotherapy or radiation or surgery. And I think we'll do it for fractions of a cost. I mean, just, just in a short time, I know you, um, it's, we've gone from maybe 250 grand to $38,000 is what someone would have to pay to beat cancer. So I don't know anybody, I don't know any center in the world that can make that type of claim on how they've reduced the financial burden to people. Yeah. Um, and my yeah. goal eventually is we're going to do it for free so that way we could help everyone. Yeah, it would be amazing. Well, that's incredible work, man. It's always great talking to you. And look forward to having you come back again, man. It's always a pleasure. So much information. Yeah. And I'll say here, guys, and, you know, if you guys are up for it, you know, why don't you come to here and be on, I guess, on my podcast for one instead of having me on your show, have you on my show. Yeah, yeah. Have some fun. Plus, yeah, I didn't realize you had what, what's, the, what's the name of your podcast and where can people find out more about that? Is it on iTunes and Stitcher? Where do you have that available? Yeah, so it's on iTunes. So we got two shows. One is Ask Dr. Tom. But think of that as like, you know, I got my medical jacket on. I'm a professional, you know. And, <laughs> right. uh and then we also have the 1-800-MAN show, which is really geared towards my hardcore male audience. 
And okay. as you might imagine, cool. I'm, I'm not so professional on that show. So it gives people, you know, different perspectives on things. Um, we've been running with a, uh, a photo where it's uh, me with like in workout clothes is half me and the other half is like me in a lab jacket or a medical. Yeah, I've seen those yeah, photos. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> just to get people, it's like, you know, part Neanderthal, yeah. part scientist type of thing, you know. <laughs> One show you're talking about. Cancer. The other show you're talking about uh, erectile dis erectile dysfunction and yeah. Well, just some of the like the crazy stories, man. <laughs> well, like we get guys will be like try, taking something and one of their testicles is now like three times the size of their other testicle, and they'll go, "Should I stop taking the product?" You know. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, might be a good so, idea. <laughs> well, there's a part of me that wants to say, no, keep taking it till the, the other keep testicle taking it. catches up. Right? Catch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait till the other one catches up, then you're good. <laughs> well, see, I'm thinking symmetry, symmetry, you know, what about symmetry? <laughs> so, there's, uh, there's those types of funny, silly things that, you know, people deal with, and it's uh, sometimes a challenge to answer that on in the Ernest Dr. Yeah. Tom format, you know. Now, you're in Phoenix, right? Is that where your center is? So uh, Scottsdale. So okay, Phoenix yeah. is like you know right. the major hub, if you will. Everybody flies in Phoenix sure. for the most part, and then yeah. we're like yeah. 15 minutes from the airport, so it's pretty. Easy. Okay. Yeah, I definitely want to come by and check out your facility. I'd like to do that this year. So maybe I'll, I'll get in touch with you at some point where it's a good time. I definitely love to come yeah, check I'll tell that you out. What, um, perfect timing. Well, I got like 10 new technology platforms coming in, mm -hmm. so it would be kind of cool. Is uh, you know, both you guys come in, and I just run you through all this stuff like a marathon. <laughs> and you'll yeah. see, like, yeah. what does everything do <laughs> firsthand? And, uh, oh, I'm definitely down for yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're either going to leave here loving me or hating my guts. There's not going to be anything in between, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> it's either one extreme or the other. <laughs> and I'll either never see you guys again, or you'll be like, dude, we're, we're moving there. <laughs> well, as long as it's not as bad as... <laughs> As long as it's not as bad as the groin pain I'm dealing with now, then I'll take it. Yeah. Well, so, you know, man, um, has any of the docs that you've seen used any, um, like, um, 660 or 630 nanometer wavelength, like, red light lasers on at all or anything like that? No, no, I've never even heard of any of that. I don't even know no, anyone who has any of that kind of stuff out here. Not at all. Nope. <laughs> yeah, so there's a... Nope. But you know what? I've always, I've always, I've always responded really well to because a lot of times these things happen because of an imbalance, right? You think, okay, I tore this area, so well, this leg is not activating as well as it should, so this one's overcompensating, and that's why this tightened up. So they're they're pretty good at explaining why things happen, and I, I'm pretty sure what he told me is fairly accurate because my left hip is way tighter than my right hip. Right hip is where the pain is, and then they they get in there, and I've always responded really well to active release technique. I mean, I'm in some pain right now, but it is at least 50% less than what it was before I went in yesterday for a session. And that's, that's nice. dramatic. Yeah. So I've, I've, I might, I'm going back in on Thursday. My guess is it'll take about maybe three to five sessions completely eradicate it. But if I didn't go get treated, I'd be sitting around like this for probably the rest of the month before I start feeling better. Oh uh, yeah. Well, I mean, some so generally speaking, something is usually better than nothing, right? And then movement is one of the worst things to do is after injury is not move at all. Oh yeah, it I do a lot of long walks right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
No, you're right. Just lie around doing nothing. So one simple thing to do would be to lay, you know, if you're laying down, it could be on the floor, it could be on an exam Mm -hmm. table, a bed, doesn't matter where. Um, Just with a straight leg, do uh, hip circles. So imagine your knees fully extended and your ankles, say, think at 90 degrees where you're pulling your toes toward your shin. Right, right. And you're going to do 10 or 20 circles one way or the other. And then same thing, just the ankle joint, just the shoulder joint. They're very simple movements, but they have um, an effect of, uh, think of it as kind of like helping the nervous system to relax the threat. Um, We call them high payoff drills because the guys that we learned it from call it that. And now we're just kind of keeping the same name so everybody knows we're talking about the same thing. But it'd be, it's interesting that, like, you could have a pain in one part of your body, and you just move another part that doesn't have pain, and then you feel better. And, you know, some guys yeah. say, well, it's a distraction yeah. technique where your brain's thinking about your left hip, so you don't feel the pain in your right hip. But regardless right. of how you're interpreting it, no drugs, no supplements, anyone can do it on a spot at any point in time, right? So yeah. you don't have to see yeah. a doctor exactly. to even feel, you know, some improvement. And then maybe that gets you to the point now you can walk to the doctor, right, or get to the doctor with less pain. Yeah. Right. And then you know, just it's just a, a tool to help get you what you need to do and all that, you know. Yeah, that sounds good. Sounds really good. Well, cool, man. Thank you very much. Hope you have okay. a great rest of, yeah, for, rest of the day. Yeah. yeah, let's get you back again Thanks, soon. Guys. I definitely want to make a definitely want to make a trip out there sooner than later and check out your facility. Awesome. All right, guys. You have a wonderful day, and thanks a lot for the opportunity. Oh, thank you. You take care. Have a good take one. Care. Take care. You. Yeah. Bye-bye. All right. That was a great episode to start off the new year because I tell you, he's always full of information. And sometimes I'm trying to write stuff down while he's talking, but then I don't want people to hear the keyboard going off. Exactly. <laughs> so I just, yeah, I'm using I just turn the keyboard button on while I'm typing. So Yeah. I usually just put little marks. I just put a little reminder notes in my phone and then go back later. But you, you know what? <laughs> you know what you can always do is Listen to the episode when it comes out. Go back and listen to it again. Ain't that, ain't that awesome? In addition to being able to listen to the episode is as many times as you want. You can share it with people. You can go support us by leaving us a review. <laughs> Assuming iTunes works on your end. I've had some trouble with iTunes on my end for some reason. I don't know I know, that was so about. weird when you sent me that message. I'm like, dude, I'm like, I'm even pulling the show up on my decrepit iPad 2, which basically shuts down after you turn it on every five seconds. So. Well, mine says it's not available in the U.S. Like, I was like, well, where is it available? <laughs> where are you? <laughs> <laughs> you know? In Ghana? Is it available in Ghana? What about Cameroon? Is it available yeah, the, there? <laughs> you know? Yeah, the Democratic Republic of Congo and and, and freaking South, uh, North Korea. So I'm like, yeah, that's understood. <laughs> and then I, I sent their customer service department. I go, look, I'm not, I'm not able to access my show on your on your platform. And then they send back going, oh, we don't take care of that. Contact this department. I was like, okay, here we go. The good old go. one, too. Yeah, and then there was nowhere to contact anyone on that, so I just found any contact information I could find. And then the only thing I get is a survey two days later. Hey, how do we do? I was like, well, you guys suck is how you did. So you didn't do anything. What do you mean? How yeah. did you do? You actually have to do something. Terrible. Did you fix the problem? No. I was like, no, you didn't fix the problem. So, you, so, so it was a complete failure is how you did. <laughs> right. I could keep wasting my time going back and forth with you guys, but I don't listen to the show on iTunes anyway. <laughs> so I don't really care. I can listen to it on my website, on Stitcher, on Spotify. There's plenty. There's other options, right? So just pick another option. There you go. Exactly, man. It's, it's amazing how people get married to a platform. It's like, well, I can hear on iTunes. I'm like, you know, there's other, there's other things. 
to hell. Yeah. You can even listen to, you can actually listen to us on Roku, you know, on TuneIn or whatever. So you've got a million <laughs> and one options these days. It's 2019 now. <laughs> well, I mean, it was it was only one person who said it's not working, which means everyone or everyone else that either was working or they went somewhere else. They they just right. figured out, hey, I'll just listen to it right here. I'll listen to it on Stitcher. I'll listen to it somewhere else. I don't need to email right. anyone and ask them why it's not on iTunes. So anyway, that's the end of that. Well, who gives a fuck about iTunes? You know what you should care about <laughs> is using that coupon code LLA. Go to newwarriortraining.com. Go to MikeMollerTraining.com. Get 10% off everything you see. You support the show. You get some great products. And you get going in this year. I'll tell you what, if you, every, every December is when I usually hit PRs, right? And it's not because I fucked off for the entire year and then started working out in December or November. It's because I made all those deposits. Exactly. So right now I'm back in, well, right now I'm not back in anything, but before, before this groin injury, I was making some good deposits and I will again soon in the next week or two. And then you just make those deposits, make those deposits, get better at technique, work on imbalances, good recovery, restoration. And then you just build up all of this momentum so that when you get to that point, at least for me, it's always towards the end of the year, I have a lot to withdraw from. You can make some great progress. So just look at it that way. Some people are thinking, okay, it's January 1, so I want to lose 30 pounds by March. I go, why not lose uh, – well, first of all, why not – let's not let's not focus on Why don't you get up off your ass all. and start doing something? Focus and, on and being healthy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, focus on habit. Focus on the practices you need to do. Go walk three miles every day without fail, every single day without fail. Add in – more fruits and vegetables every single day without fail. You can have five of each no matter what. Right? You just start implementing these practices that build up over time, and all of a sudden you're going to realize, wow, I'm, I'm way healthier right now, way more energy. You start building more on top of that. So I, th- I think people get focused on on the wrong things as motivators. Well, you know, they're they're being inundated with the marketing hype for the beginning of the year. It's such a billion dollar industry right now to get everybody in the gym which kind of sucks because right now i'm doing most of my stuff outside the gym i'm at home doing everything because i just don't even want to be there around all the idiots right now because i know but i know i'm good i'm good next week believe that you're probably good right now (laughs) i know know. (laughs) to clear out you know, we're recording this on a Tuesday, so yeah, today will be a damn good day. Now, yesterday would have sucked because everybody's trying to <laughs> fight for the same spots or whatever. I'm like, dude, I just want to, I just want to deadlift, dude. Can I just get that? Can I just get the bar over there? Because <laughs> uh, took your advice because you know, being where we are now, I actually had a, fit, a fitness 19 right around the corner for me, and I was uh-huh. like, oh shit, yeah. that's the gym that Mike um joined. Then the the price you can't oh, yeah. beat it. I'm oh, it's five dollars a month. month. Yeah. For life. Okay, even less, five dollars. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Five life. <laughs> you know, minus yeah. the one, you, one. No time one's ever going to cancel that. And they know it. No. It's like, hey, five bucks a month. <laughs> exactly. why, why would you cancel that? Just just the time it takes to waste your time to go in there and fill out the paperwork or call them up. What? So you have a $5 deduction on your credit card statement each month? They know that. They know people. They know if people go in there two times a year, they're going to say, oh, well, it was worth it. Yeah. I mean, and the, and the most expensive one is 15 bucks a month. So I'm just like, you know, it was, it was kind of a like, hmm. Okay, do I just go ahead and, you know, make this, this one initial $99 down payment and pay five for life or pay 50, you know, $5 down now and pay 15? I'm like, come on, it's a no brainer, dude. I'm in. I mean, cause basically it's just like, look, you know, the, we keep downsides as far as like, you know, the apartments or whatever. So therefore I have less and less equipment. <clears throat> so I'm just like, you know, right, look, right. man, I need, and, and now, only thing is the, the gym at our apartments is like, it's, it's, it's okay. It's not great. It's not even good. It's okay. And I'm like, but as far as the free weights, that's where I'm, you know, it's hurting for me. I'm like, okay, I, 
I, hey man, dumbbells got to go a little higher than fifty pounds, man. Like seriously, <laughs> no, compare yeah. fifty. Like yeah, yeah you, you can do a lot with it, but after a while, my body's like, dude. You've been training for like over thirty years. Like, are you serious right now? <laughs> like, come on, this this is doing nothing for us, really. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, on a consistent basis, so I was like, yeah, I, I gotta, I need some, I need more. But at the same time, I'm not trying to pay a bunch of money when I know when you have a a mind with an arsenal of training in your mind from all this experience that you've had. Like, okay, look, right. man, there's, I I passed four parks on the way to twenty four hour fitness, <laughs> you know, or you know, or right. L A fitness, something like that. And you want me to sign what? How much? Yeah, like, dude, I have kettlebells at home, too. So it's just like, look, at this point, again, I'm not trying to, like, compete in the Arnold or anything like that. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I'm trying to make sure that I'm building certain – I'm trying to uh, uh, attack certain goals or whatever. But, again, I, you know, <clears throat> and notice I did not say I'm not trying to – notice that I didn't say I'm trying to maintain because I don't even know what the hell that even means. <laughs> you know, doesn't even, that word doesn't yeah. even make sense. That word ever maintains. I'm like maintenance. Yeah, no mode. I'm like, what does that mean? Even when your car, when you take your car in for routine maintenance, it's not root. It's not just maintenance, though, because you're either improving the quality of your car to keep, you know, give it longevity, or you know, pretty much something's gonna, they're gonna mess up something, and it's gonna take your car a few steps back, and then you got to work on something else. But it's never a flat line. It's never just the same. It's just no such thing, man. <clears throat> There's no homeostasis when it comes to that. So, right, right. So that works right out the window. No, I mean, a lot of times you're working to improve, you're going to maintain. So right. if you're just working to maintain, you're, you're, the intensity you're going to have going into your training when that's your goal is not going to be enough to maintain, assuming you have right. anything impressive to maintain. First of all, anyone who has that mentality probably doesn't have any impressive development anyway <laughs> to start with. You know? right. Because if you do, you, you always want to go for more. That's the reality of it. It's, it's, it's a fun right. process. But a lot of times, even when you're going for more, you're just maintaining. But that's actually good because you see every time you say you hit a PR, that's not necessarily a number you can do anytime you want. That's a personal effort. That, that's an that's a maximum effort under optimal circumstances. Right. But you, the number you can do anytime you want is now higher than it was before. So you right. may have, let's say, the deadlift. If, if 585 pounds is the most I can ever do, right? That's what I hit last year. Does that mean I could walk into the gym and do it right now? No. But I could do 550 anytime I want, where maybe before right. that it was 540 anytime you want and 565 is the max. So you see where I'm going is that you, yeah. the bar keeps getting higher. And that's, and so that you have a new set point. So when you're going for the next PR, you have a higher baseline than you did before <laughs> the first one. If that makes sense to everyone. Exactly. So that's, those are the kind of things that are exciting. It's, it's fun to keep making progress. And even if you, even if you go through long periods where it doesn't feel like you are, when you're working on all the fundamentals and you're doing what I like to call deposit training, it's, it's going to add up. You're going to be able to make a withdrawal at some point. You just have to be patient. And that's where most people fall off. They hear the word patient. They say, forget it. But you know what? Yeah, Those are people who didn't really, it, it's, you didn't want the goal. You didn't really want the goal. Whenever someone talks about what they want and then you follow up, like, hey, man, how'd that work out? Uh, you know, things happen. I was like, no, you didn't give a fuck about that goal. So just be honest. That's, that's the, big, the main reason why most people fail with all this New Year's resolution bullshit. I don't have any New Year's resolutions. I'm just continuing nah. what I did last year into this year. I'm always working on shit. You know, I'm just continuing that process this year. But the main reason why it doesn't work out for people is because they're, they're, they're picking goals they don't really care about. They're not being honest with themselves. Yeah, you got to look at this, man. You know, even beyond, don't even look at it as a deposit because a lot of times people – 
you know, the, even if you took money and put it in the bank just to save it, save it, save it, and then you make this this withdrawal or whatever, look at it more like the stock, like a stock, where right, at the end right. of the year you get you get a dividend at the end of the year. You don't withdraw the the money. You know, you take, right. you know, you get a dividend, and then what do you do? You take that dividend and you reinvest it if you're smart. Right. And that's how you keep right. building over time and over time. And that's how you become wealthy. So you can do the same mm-hmm. thing with your with your health and fitness. Do the same thing. Right. right? Like right. you know, it's just like oh okay. I, well, oh, this is why. Oh, I hit this PR. There's the dividend right there. What that now? What you do? You take that. You learn from that. Hey, what did I do to get here? And now, how do I keep pushing forward and go to the next thing? You don't sit there right. and just like, ah, oh, I hit that PR. All right, I'm done doing this forever now. <laughs> you know, I'm ready to go do something else and and yeah. just move on and just like, oh, I'm over that. So, <clears throat> so that's how I see it, man. Yeah. And I think our audience should be setting a PR with leaving us more reviews than ever before. So that should be your yeah, call. That, that, you know what? If you got a resolution <laughs> this year, two, you have two resolutions this year. You know, leaving more reviews and actually going over to Patreon because, like I said, we're about to, like I said in the last episode, we're about to change some things up over there at Patreon. So it's going to be more than just, you know, you getting the episodes early. You know, we're going to dig into our archives and bring up some some old school interviews and some some throwbacks, man, that – you know, happened way before we started doing podcasts. Well, this podcast, oh, yeah. anyway. Yeah. And you know, and or even even written interviews. You know, I know you've got a ton over there, man. Where you've had. Oh yeah, sure. Folks, sure. You know, from back in the day, that some people you know weren't around to see that, and now they probably can't find that stuff. You yeah. know, if they go to you know those uh, respective sites anymore. Um, right. We got that. Right. We're doing the Q and A shows as well. And um, so again, if you are a Patreon supporter and or you're about to be one as of right now, send in those Q and A questions to us. At, you can send it to info at LLAPodcast.com. And we're going to be doing shows on Q&A just for our Patreon subscribers. That's it. Not, it's not yep. going to happen free world. It's not going to happen on the missing iTunes, the iTunes episodes or anything like that. No, it's going to be strictly for Patreon, man. And, you know, all the stuff like we used to do back in the day, like, you know, even talking about UFC fights and all that, man. You know, sure. all that stuff, we're going to save that for, we're going to save that for Patreon. You know, yeah, it's so. perfect for that. You know, hell, it might be some guests that'll be top notch that we're only gonna do those just for Patreon listeners. You know, it'll be exclusive interviews. So it yeah, might we be did a that in the past, and yeah, I want, that's something I'd like to do again. That's a good idea. Yeah, so we have this one specific topic that we really we just focus on. You know, minus all the, the bullshit and, and everything else. You know, and we just get really serious and just really focus on that topic right there with this this expert in in their field, and we talk to them, and basically that'll just be for Patreon as well. So, hey, look, folks, five bucks at the very least, five bucks. You know, look, man, if I can go to Fitness 19 and and, and do that each month and I'm, I'm not bothered, you can do the same thing. We both we both win. I'm winning with that five dollar membership at Fitness 19. You'll win with five dollar membership at our Patreon for our Patreon subscribers. We all win here. So there you go, folks. So, yeah, there's my pitch for a Patreon for everybody and how everything's changing over there. So, all right, man, I'm done. I'm hungry. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> you know, like unlike a lot of people at the beginning of the year, I'm, I actually like eating. I'm still eating. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm still starving myself with a, with a new diet. I'm like, no, I'm I'm eating. I'm eating more, as a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah, and you're not oh, posting man. about it on Instagram. <laughs> no. <laughs> and we all appreciate that. We don't need to see you with the donut. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm not saying don't eat a donut. Donuts are fun, but you don't need to fucking post it. We don't. Nobody gives a fuck. 
You don't have to sit there and give, you know, say a big fuck you to everybody else that's been eating too many donuts, and now they cut back on donuts at the beginning of the year. <laughs> you might trigger them. They're like, well, fuck you. If he's eating donuts, I'm eating donuts. Like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I trained for this donut, damn it. I worked hard for this. <laughs> oh, man. All right, folks. That's all right. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Take care, everybody. Take care, everyone. Bye. <laughs>